The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the one and only Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome everyone to Two Dudes One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Bangle Tiger Richard Parker, and I'm Dude Two, Thunderbolt Ross. Mm. <laughs> you know, I was gonna say something, but I shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> you, like people listen to that part, just like. What was he going to say? Um, stop boring. Insert negative <laughs> comments about the power of the dog. <laughs> insert negative comments that Sam Elliott said about the power of the dog. Here I am. I'm dude too, Joe. <laughs> My name is Sam Elliott. Mm. <laughs> mm. That's the dude. No, I'm dude one, Richard. And I'm due to, sometimes, there is a man. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. There's, there, you know, there's some truth to that. Well, <laughs> I, I'm Joe, guys, in case this is your first time listening. Uh, Can you imagine? There probably is, like, this. I guarantee this is someone's first episode. Just like, oh, who's these guys? Either way, I'm so sorry. <laughs> if you clicked away, we get it. We, um, we understand. <laughs> but no, welcome to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, everyone. Um, this is the start of our holiday season episodes. We've been doing this since the beginning, though we've extended the bi-weekly schedule uh, for this time of year all the way literally until till next summer. So we won't, be at, we won't be having as many episodes this time of year as we did in the summertime or during the fall and we met and i mentioned this only because again you could be new and you don't know true true but thankfully at this point in time we have over 140 episodes so go crazy we have a bunch of stuff for you guys to listen to we have some youtube videos we are on twitter we're on I'm not calling it the other thing. We're on Twitter. <laughs> uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we have letterboxes. Check out all the links down below so you can check out everything that we've got for all of y'all. Um, but uh, we actually have a, a, a fun, exciting little episode for you guys today. And before we get into that, as usual, I have to ask... Dude, too. How are you? I thought you were gonna get like, you know, <laughs> say something completely I just, different. <laughs> I just wanted to throw you off a little bit. Just this really long, dramatic pause. That's you know, it's, yeah. it's normal now. It's it is. Point, yeah. It is. Um, I'm all right. Uh, 
I've just been watching movies, you know, like like you do. I a while ago I picked up a bunch of a couple things from the Criterion flash sale. You know, they happen randomly, and all the di- in stock discs are fifty percent off, which is always really nice. And I really went uh, further than I expected to this time because Criterion gave me a credit because I pre-ordered um, their Todd Browning set. And uh, they gave me credit, so I might have talked about this in the other episode, but I'll just briefly go through it. I got the uh, the Orson Welles movie, The Trial, which I still need to watch, but I did go through the entirety of the renowned uh, Westerns box set. These are uh, five movies directed by Bud Bedecker and starring all starring Randolph Scott, and they're all like under 80 minutes, uh, and they're really great. Honestly, they, yeehaw, yeehaw, yeah. I was, I was actually watching. I was even like, I liked them so much. I was rewatching some of them with my mom. Um, not that she's always <laughs> the biggest Western fan, but like sometimes when something's like short and simple, it's kind of cool. But also yeah. too, considering their length, there's also a lot of like you know, comp, you know, different themes of like good and evil and different, um, all different, di- all sorts of stuff. Actually, this month on Letterbox, because I changed my. Richard does this too. I change my four favorites every month, every month, and my fourth pick on there is actually one of the movies, which is my favorite one in the set, uh, "Decision at Sundown." Nice, um, great movie. It's kind of it, it would it, honestly, if we ever talked about High Noon, I think it'd be a great great pairing with um, High Noon. They're both. What's it called? Uh, "Decision at Sundown." Decision at High Noon. Decision at High Noon. Yeah. Uh, All right. Write it down. I'll write it down. Um, I really loved it, but I also got picked up the arrow, uh, arrow video box set, um, enter the video store empire of screams for, which has films from empire pictures, tra- producer, Charles band. Um, and I've so far, I've only watched the first two of the five films in the set. I watched dungeon master and I watched dolls and I got to say, I thought a lot about you with both movies because dungeon, because <laughs> dungeon master, Just- out of, out of context, just the titles, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. And it doesn't help that Dungeon Master does, like, there's a, a, a spicier cut of Dungeon Master. <laughs> I can get spicier, folks. Mm-hmm. Just letting you know. Um, I thought about uh, you for one reason, because uh, the late, great uh, Richard Mull is he in. rest in peace. He's the villain in Dungeon Master. Um, does a great job. You could definitely hear. I'm like, that's Two Face. That's that's Harvey. <laughs> <Day."> <laughs> um, he's so great, and it, it's kind of. Like, just, I, sorry, I just like I immediately thought of um in the first Two Face episode of the animated series, and uh, he's talking to a therapist, and she's like, "Can I talk to Big Bad Harv?" Like his other yeah, and then it's like Big Bad Harv. Let's see if I could do it. Hold on. Speaking. No, God, that was terrible. <laughs> oh, God. Wait, hold on, hold on, wait, wait. You could probably do it. Because he says, speaking. Speaking. Like that. That's better. That's much better. It's kind of. I, I, gotta, I got, admittedly, because like, Two-Face, I think, is my favorite Batman villain. He's he's great. Um, And obviously, the animated series iteration is so iconic, and Richard Mall may rest in peace again. But he's also oh, yeah. great in this movie. But it also, it's like, because the movie was sort of like, partly inspired by like Tron and you could definitely see it because it's so wild because this man he's obsessed with computers not Richard Mull but the protagonist of the movie he's obsessed with computers to the point mm-hmm. where it distracts him from his girlfriend and 
Oh boy! And then <laughs> this sorcerer, played by Richard Mole, challenges um, the main character, um, and he has to go through a series of challenges, and they're all like wildly. They're each directed by somebody different, and they're all what? Oh, there's like a like a almost like a like David Allen directs like almost like a Harry. I don't want to say Harry Hausenstab because that would be diminishing uh, David Allen's work because he's a great stop motion animator. But like almost right. a Harry Hausen style fight sequence happens. There's like a rock concert. It's like all this stuff, but it's like in an eighty minute, not barely eighty minute package, and it's incredible. <laughs> and then the other movie that like is more up your alley, I feel, and I think is a really good movie is Dolls. Surprisingly, this came out before Child's Play. Like, there's these people who are stranded in a storm, and they go to this friendly, like, elderly couple's home, and um, one by one, the, these dolls start killing people. It's it's rough life when when your toys are trying to kill you. But I think I honestly like like like. Uh, it's it's I think you would really dig it. it if it's I, I think it's streaming on Prime Video if you ever get the chance to check it out or if we ever talk about right. it, because um, it's <laughs> it's it's got some fun kills and like for because these are also ultra lo- like low budget movies too. So what they're able to do um, with these movies is kind of impressive. And uh, right, I'm, so the other ones in the set are Cellar Dweller, Arena, and oh. Robot Jocks. I'm particularly excited to check out Robot Jocks. But I mean, with a title like Robot Jocks. Yeah, exactly. And it has nothing to do with underwear. I mean, <laughs> not that, that we know of. <laughs> uh, so far, yeah. Oh, so we far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Robot, it's just a transformer on your crotch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's horrible. We needed Robot Jocks in Pacific Rim. They needed, <laughs> Gypsy Danger needed some undies. Gypsy Danger was just swinging dong, and, and he was like, "Listen, I need some cover." Um, <laughs> sorry, no, you're fine. Um, and just to wrap up my end of things quickly, the new Planet of the Apes trailer came out. Like, I feel like I'm like in our group. Of How many times have you watched it at this point? At least five. You know, I believe it. Um, I believe it. like uh, just to quickly go over that. Um. You know, obviously, I know a lot of people who are not excited about it because it's not Matt Reeves, which I get, you know, because Matt Reeves brought something really special to the table with the last two movies in this series. But listen, like, I like the vibes of it. I, as somebody who appreciates the grounded approach of the new movies, we talked about the new movies on our show. I I think about the character of Proximus Caesar, who's like the character in the trailer who goes, what a wonderful day! (laughs) <laughs> and he, I'm like, I love this guy, this character. I need his action figure immediately because he makes me think of the like, like General Ursus and the older and the, the beneath the Planet of the Apes. He's not in any of the other movies, but he's in a lot of the mm-hmm. like affiliated media and all that. But like, it's like an a really like ultra iconic character already, and he's got like a cool costume. And I've been waiting mm-hmm. for the new movies to do something like that ever since 2011. So like, um, thank you. Uh, Wes Ball and team for um, for, for bring, giving Joey what he's been wanting, gi- giving me what I want. Just fan, you know, like all all other fan service is invalid except for fan service that pleases me. Clearly, <laughs> but that also led into like a, hey. a, a slight tangent in the group where I'm just like the ultra aggressive Planet of the Apes fan. <laughs> like I, I made this, uh, yeah, I took the me. I think it was from Good Time, where it's just like you think you're better than me. I am better than you. <laughs> 
I just <laughs> and it just so happened to be the movie that got Robert Pattinson the Batman job. So it all comes full circle. I still got to see that movie. I'm really curious about that one. Um, uh, good time. Good time is actually really good. Um, but I also I, I rewatched the original Planet of the Apes. I'm gonna rewatch the whole series, and I also want to rewatch both TV series because there was a live action TV series and there was an animated series of apes and i have them on dvd already i bought them years ago like i think actually like the 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 dvd for the live action show was like one of the first things i ever ordered from best buy um online <laughs> oh best buy yeah that's oh, best funny. Buy. um uh. but that's all that's been really going on with me uh to make a long story short but <laughs> how are you oh man well, where do you start um there's a lot of stuff going on in yeah. my neck of the woods. Um, start with the more like recent stuff. We we've been having bee problems at the house. Um, Joey actually, <laughs> Joey and I actually started this whole phone call that we're on right now with the conversation about it. I feel really bad because um, I was very aggressive towards Richard. Uh, no, in those phone no, calls. no. I, I feel like I, I need to I apologize to him already, but I need to apologize to the general public. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. Listen, of you, you. I will say, like, without saying specifics, you have said some really dumb things, but that wasn't one of them. Okay, that was not. One I, of them. I appreciate that. Okay, <laughs> not to like, not to like. It feels actually no. That feels backhand a little bit. I apologize. No, no. Well, I, I say dumb, <laughs> silly things. Yes, you do. You yeah, do. So, all right. I'm. It's. I'm usually the one that says the, the silly things inherently. You. You just kind of come out every now and then. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but no, we've been, we've been dealing with that for a while. I might've mentioned it when I first found out about it months ago, literally. So the fact that it's still a problem is telling, um, hopefully we can get that resolved uh, at some point soon. Um, outside of that, um, this one, uh, this one, it's kind of news, but it's not going to happen for like two years. Um, so it's kind of an extension of a story I told a while ago on here, um, where I had talked about how I was responsible for a couple of my friends becoming a thing, or at least partly responsible. I don't want to take full responsibility. Um, you played a role. Yeah, I did. And, um, then they decided to get married and recently they picked their wedding date, which is... Uh, I think October of 2025, like closer to Halloween, I think. Mm. And, oh, my dog just came in. Nice. Hi. You know, she's, she's, she's always the, she's truly the third dude. No offense to all the guests, but (laughs) she's, she's, she's in these episodes more frequently than a lot of them are. This is true. Um, uh, hello. Let me, let me catch your head. Where are you at? Okay, fine. You don't want to... Come here. Actually... You're interrupting my story. <laughs> Rich, it makes me think of when, like, w- w- Wikey w- I message each other, and uh, he listens to, like, his cat, uh, Abby, in the ep- in the episode <laughs> the episode we did recently, <laughs> The Power Rangers. Oh, my God. I like, I like when uh, we have an occasional animal cameo. <laughs> not, all du- not all dudes are human. Not all, not all dudes are men. Not all dudes are human. So, let it be known. Um, 
so uh, anyway, go back to the story. Yes. Um, they they set their wedding date, and while it kind of started off as a joke, it, it sort of became official. Um, they asked me if I can officiate the wedding, which the irony is not passed on me. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Do you want to explain why why this is ironic for people who are listening for the first time? I'm an atheist. <laughs> There you have it. That's just the blunt truth of it, yeah. Yeah, guys, in case you, when you look, look up and you go, hmm, I wonder who suggested the Ten Commandments and Prince of Egypt, it wasn't Richard. No, I was I was probably the last person to say anything. Very much. <laughs> but it doesn't matter, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I, I feel honored to have been asked. I am nervous as hell. <laughs> um, I, I, There was one thing that they said, I don't know if this is going to happen, but... Uh, we're not going to be in a church, so I don't feel like I'm going to piss anybody off, but, um, they said, you know, it'd be funny if you, if you dress like Obi-Wan Kenobi and came out and I'm like, well, I need, I have a tunic. I need (laughs) pictures so bad. I, if that was, if that does end up happening, I'm so tempted to be like, you all are probably wondering, is he Jesus or is he a Jedi? And the answer is yes. But you gotta grow out your beard. You gotta get. get, get. I gotta. I definitely get the beard because right now it's kind of gone, more or less. But yeah, I gotta grow it out. Um, but so that's happening. But that's not gonna be for a couple of years. So again, anything could happen in that time. But when when the day comes, I'll I'll do my best. And they're gonna have Italian food, so I'm I'm already sold. Oh, yeah, you're, yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. going, you're going. That's yeah. You know. This pizza, I, uh, pasta, all kinds of things. What so I should I'm... really do is, is is be like one of those celebrities and crashes a wedding. <laughs> now, there was another point too where I was thinking, you know, it'd be funny. I'm like, because you know they got to address people in the crowd. Like I go, folks, family, friends, crashers. <laughs> <laughs> just start looking at people like I know it's you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't get an invite. What of it? <laughs> like I, you go crashes. One person goes, "Woo!" <laughs> like you rule, my guy. <laughs> um, but no, that's that's going down in a couple of years. So I still have to. There's a lot of paperwork involved in that, actually. And I'm like, I didn't realize like how much you have to like fill out. And I think you got. You have to like. I don't think you have to like. I don't think I have to take any courses or anything. I just have to like fill out paperwork and like pay for something. But they said they'd cover that, so I'm like, okay, cool. Well, that's um, it's interesting. Well, I mean, it's it's part of the wedding expense. I'm not cheap, so. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it'll be it'll be it'll be good, you know. And plus, I won't have to sit in the crowd of people. I can just stand next to the my the people I, I'm there for, so. I'll be, but I'll be, I'll be center stage. Though I'll be like, shit. I mean, shoot. Just, there's children here. Just, just <laughs> pretend you're on a podcast. I'll just be. I'll just be like, can I get a chair and put a microphone in front of me? Don't ask why. It's like um, um in the in the movie uh, To Rome with Love, where there's a guy who sings opera really well in the shower, so they bring out a shower for him <laughs> on stage. Oh, see, that's perfect then. Well, I could start. Maybe I'll start just for fun. I'll just start going. Ave Maria. <laughs> See, for me, I think my go-to be. Uh... <laughs> or, 
figaro, 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 figaro. <laughs> I just start doing the Wayne's World like transition. I've actually been looking into because I I've 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 been wanting to see like an opera in person. Uh, because when my my not to derail your story, but like <laughs> like uh in college, um, when I worked for the Center for the Arts in my college, uh, I was you know student work study or whatever. Um, I. There would have the Met Opera screenings, so I watched a lot of operas, um, you know, and it was cool because people could, you know, only for like instead of like paying like hundreds of dollars or whatever, they paid like twenty bucks and they get to see, you know, get to see opera, you know, on a screen, That's cool. which is cool. But going back to what you were saying, yeah, so yeah, efficient. Um, so those are like the big things, really. Um, out, well, no, there's one more big thing that's very personal for me. <laughs> Um, uh, I got a new TV. <laughs> that one gets the clap. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, so like I had my old 4k TV. I got that to 2021. So I think literally like the day after, like the same day that I got my PS5. I don't remember. Um, but you know, it worked well for me, mm-hmm. but uh, this was also like before I actually looked into like the format and looked into you know new technology and actually bothering to do some research i was just like well this this says 4k so it should be fine that happened to me my first tv too yeah Where, yeah it's, it's always do some research before you spend large amounts of money that's this lesson today folks um so i uh you know after doing a little looking in you know learning about oled screens for example um, which are like a new sort of technology where everything's lit more by the pixels and not by like LED light, like kind of backlighting in a way. Almost, It's almost like, um, it's probably a wrong explanation because I don't know the science or the engineering behind it, but I imagine it's like the actual projector screen that like goes onto a movie, but like super close. Mm. <laughs> so you have those like hues of light in each corner of the TV when you have an LED, whereas OLED gets rid of that. And it's just the picture. And so it allows the picture to just be without all the, like, interference. And I'm sure there's faults to it, to the technology as well, but, you know, it's it's appealing nonetheless. And it seems to be uh, the go-to, especially uh, for 4K and, like, sort of newer formats. And so I was like for a while going, you know, I'd like to like to snag me one of those, but they're always so expensive and there are never there's never a lot of mid-level OLED 4K televisions. There's probably like a couple of them that yeah. are like in the 40 inch range, but not a whole lot. And so I was looking into it and I was like, you know, maybe I'll wait until it gets to a more reasonable price or some sort of like thing like that and then maybe I'll snag one. Then um, before our Disney trip, actually, I noticed that on my current, on my TV that I had, there was like a small cluster of dead pixels and like on, on, in the grand scheme of it, it probably wasn't that big of a problem, but at the same time, like I'm a very like OCD oriented, like picky, like I notice things and I can't not look at them kind of person. And so, uh, I looked up like, what are ways that you can fix this? And they're like, well, unplug your TV, let it rest for a day or so. And then hopefully when you plug it back in, they'll be gone. If that doesn't work, um, you'll probably have to get like a specialist or something. 
So I'm like, okay, so thankfully it happened literally right before I was about to leave for Florida. And then we spent all that time in Florida. And then when I got back, because I had unplugged the TV before I left, I plugged it back in and they were gone. So I'm like, cool, awesome. I don't have to worry about it anymore. And then um, late October, I noticed they were coming back. And I was like, oh, I don't like this. <laughs> it's not good. Um, and at the same time, I'm like, you know, I could just take it in to get someone to fix it. But I'm already thinking about getting a new TV. So I'd rather fork over the money for a new TV, even though it would be cheaper to have it fixed. And thankfully, Amazon has like a like a payment plan, like a monthly payment plan set up where you can um, spend X amount of dollars over the course of five months. And it's not like you have to sign up for a card or anything. There's no interest increase or anything like that. It's literally just you spend this amount of money at first, and then over the next five months, you'll spend this much, this much, this much until eventually you paid it all off. So I'm like looking up stuff about that. And they're like, yeah, it's legit. It actually is like, it's actually kind of cool. And I'm like, I think that would be more manageable to spend increments of like $200 for over the course of five months versus $1,000 outright. Yeah. Especially when I when I don't have $1,000. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I mean, that's how I did like my with my equipment too. Because um, I get it through, I got my stuff through Best Buy and I paid, you know, no interest um, and just, you know, pay it by, you know, over time. And so uh, I now have it. It's 42-inch LG 4K OLED screen. Um, it's super nice. It's, it does feel like I'm watching movies for the first time again, which is what it was like the first time. Yeah. Uh, but now it feels more official. And I'm, watch, I'm watching more darkly lit movies to see if it like changes now that this is a brighter TV. And it really does. <laughs> like... You know, to the point where, like, I'm watching, like, the like Eternals, which is a more naturally lit, darker lit movie. And then the opening shot of the sun's blinding. You're like, yeah. oh! Whereas before, I'm like, oh, there's the sun. Now I'm like, oh, it's brilliant! Um, and I, I got it all set up, too. And so uh, I have it on all the settings that I want it at. And I turned off all the automatic stuff that I don't need. Um, so I'm, I'm living well. I, I've been watching a bunch of movies. I got, uh, some newer, some newer movies. Like I, I got Blue Beetle and Mission Impossible recently and I watched them on the TV and, um, both are great movies. I really liked both of them. Um, and I've watched a bunch of horror movies because it was, you know, it was Halloween recently. So I've been going crazy using this TV. I uh, played some games on there too, so... Uh, I'm I'm very happy. It's not mine officially yet, but I'm very happy. Mm. Um, but uh, speaking of watching movies, <laughs> um, we have uh, a double feature for you guys. This one I feel like, in certain respects, has been kind of in the making for a while. Yes, it has. Or at least because, like, I know. <clears throat> At least for our second movie, I know Joey is a huge fan of that one, and you know we've been trying to figure out ways to get it on the show, and then um, we just so happen to think, oh, because we've talked about the director of these movies, Ang Lee, uh, before, when we did the episode with Crouching Tiger, and uh, uh, Everything Ever All at Once, the Michelle Yeoh episode, and um, 
I think that just kind of like after watching Crouching Tiger, I think the conversation about Ang Lee became more prominent for us. Yes. And you mentioned that you were a big uh, Life of Pi fan, and then it made me curious to check out some of his other movies. So I watched Brokeback Mountain, which is great. And then I rewatched after years of, you know, everyone always saying how terrible it is, how it's the worst, one of the worst of this genre. You know, people constantly saying, this is terrible. I finally rewatched our first feature and Joe Denny Dan. What is that movie we are talking about today? Hmm. Hulk. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Hulk! <laughs> we were going to talk about that Hulk movie that I was in, and uh, I'm Sam Elliott, obviously. <laughs> and I'm Nick Nolte. Take him off the fucking grid! <laughs> Sanitation. <laughs> you have hands? <laughs> Again, uh, remake of this movie, but just get Danny McBride as, as Bruce Banner. <laughs> as the Hulk. <laughs> Um, no, literally Danny McBride as Bruce Banner, but then <laughs> Ben Stiller in green face paint as the Hulk. <laughs> we also we also just need to throw in the character of Rick Jones and just have Matthew McConaughey play Rick Jones. <laughs> I got the TiVo! Rick Jones' Hulk friend got TiVo! <laughs> um, oh my gosh. But, I want to say this movie, so we've talked about Marvel movies before, but as far as like, how many, we, we talked about, like, as far as like non-MCU Marvel movies, we talked about um, uh, Logan. Talked about Logan. Um, um, Wikey and Gif- Gifford. Gifford and Wikey. Talked yeah. about spi- the Spider-Man movies. Um, the I'm, Sam Raimi ones, this, specifically. Yes, thank you. Um but we, we haven't, most of the Marvel movies we talked about are in the MCU, which makes sense because there's like 30 of them, you know, over 30 yeah, of them. There's, there's quite a few. And there's more <laughs> coming, obviously. There's more coming. Um, we have the Marvels. But as far as, no, as far as um, pre-MCU stuff or any anything outside of that, like, it's almost nothing. It's almost like for a lot of people outside of Spider-Man or maybe X-Men, it feels like there's a whole era of Marvel movies that people either choose to forget or choose to ignore. Um, and it's sort of strange in a way. So it, like, there's this whole history of Marvel movies. It, well, it's weird because, because I was a kid, like, I was like nine, 10 years old. When you Hulk, were, you were a kid. Yeah, I know. I would just picture you as an adult my entire life. <laughs> You've you've seen me get attacked by a fire monster in that <laughs> picture. You've seen that. I did. I did. I... <laughs> oh man! For those of you that don't know, there's a picture of Joey. He looks like he's falling over, but it looks like he's about to get attacked. And there's just this glare of light, and it looks like a fire monster. <laughs> but going back to that, like I remember, like. Spider-Man, I saw Spider-Man in theaters. It was huge, obviously. It was massive. X2 changed my life. Hulk, I saw it twice for some reason. Because as a kid, (laughs) you're just like, oh, hey, it's a new Marvel hero on the big screen. It's it's a new something. It wasn't like, like, 
one after it was in like boop 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 boop. It was like a couple like couple of years went by. It's like oh, here's a brand new thing for you. Couple year or like well, a couple months to I mean because like again some of these were being put out by different studios too. Yeah, like yeah. you know because Spider Man, Sony, X Men was like was Fox, Hulk was Universal. Um, Hulk's still technically Universal Hulk, or was? I think it's still. Didn't it, they? It's still. I think it technically still is. I th- I'm pretty sure. Okay. I didn't know if like Universal. I know there was like some sort of thing they were talking about. Maybe they did because get rid of it or something. I also did see because Namor is still technically Universal. Oh, uh, so that's probably why they had to change it a lot. They had to do some, you know. So yeah, they had to figure out some stuff with that. But Hulk, like, is just it's just one of those like Marvel characters. It's like it feels like such a big deal, and like it feels like a favorite when you're like a little kid because he's this guy. He becomes big and angry and smashes things. He's so relatable. When you're a little mm-hmm. kid, yeah. you know, and you got like, <laughs> and it's just like so much. <gasps> um, and I mean, the, there was, as far as Hulk too, there, there was obviously the TV show with Lou Ferrigno. Oh yes, for sure. Absolutely. Where that was, that was a big thing for people. Have you ever seen an episode of that? Cause I, I haven't. I have. Yes. Cause I actually used to own the first, so they had the first season. Cause again, like I got a lot of this stuff on DVD as a kid. Like I got that. There was like the Hulk cartoon I had, like they had some episodes, of the DVD, like Hulk was a big deal. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I like I like Hulk fine enough, but I wouldn't say he's like my favorite Marvel hero. I'd say I'd say Hulk for me in the in in the pantheon of superheroes, Marvel or otherwise. Um, he I'd I'd say he's 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 interesting enough. Like I definitely think I prefer like the sort of Jekyll and Hyde aspect of it more yeah. so than like smart Hulk. No offense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I say that sarcastically, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I like Mark Ruffalo though, so there is that. There, there um, is that. But uh, but again, yeah. like going back to the Jekyll and Hyde thing, um, it's like it kind of is like the, these these Marvel characters are kind of like Universal monsters. There's a lot of like science experiments or, or things gone awry, and like some of them are, don't even feel like superheroes, really. You know, like Marvel, especially <laughs> like a lot of a lot of their characters do feel like lab accidents, like like. Like it's strange because like you look at like DC and a lot of their heroes like like Superman was born that way, Wonder Woman was born that way, Aquaman was born that way. They were all la- lady as Lady Gaga said, born that way. Batman <laughs> born a billionaire. <laughs> he was born a billionaire. Um, but then like you know, with Iron Man, you know, yeah, he was he was a billionaire as well. But like he went through a situation and he had to get the thing in his heart, and so he put that there. Or Spider Man was bit by a spider. The mutants were born that way. <laughs> this is this so, is true. This is so true. they got that, but they do have um, like a science fictiony. Like Marvel feels more science fictiony. And, it does in, yeah. in, in that regard, which I think as a kid, that's why I kind of we kind of liked about it. I guess um, it was like more of a sciencey component, and it felt like like when you kid, you're a kid, you think a lot of things could happen. It felt more belie- It felt really be- super <laughs> believable. Yes, yeah. I, um, I think you know that's a good point too, because I feel like when I think of Marvel. I think more about comic books in a way and like, in like a sort of classic sense. Mm. Whereas with DC, I think more about like sort of the, like I, like I think with DC, I think of like the image of uh, the justice league by Alex Ross or something. It's like a bit more majestic, you know, godlike. It's like when you, Um, when you go to like a church and you see like stained glass windows of something, I I think of the DC characters in that regard. Yeah. Whereas, whereas with Marvel, it's very much like, 
like science fiction, like kind of sort of classic comic book. Like you think of like, I, I just picturing it, I could see like panels in my head and like Bruce Banner drinking the vial and then going, Oh, like pretty good. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) it was off the cuff. Um, but, uh, I think I think Bruce Banner feels like, in a way, sort of the ultimate example of that in this, in some in some respects because he is a scientist, whereas like Peter Parker is like he's a genius obviously, but he's not, but he's not like he's a kid. He's a reporter. He takes pictures. Um, uh, uh, Iron Man's like a mechanic, you know. Um, though at the same time, you know, you can also throw Captain America in that mold as sort of like a science experiment, but he didn't do it to himself. Whereas again. Right. Bruce Banner did it to himself. Sure, sure, um, sure. But but it, but again, but, like Marvel, because Marvel kind of like because they had like remember Amazing Fantasy because mm-hmm. that's where Spider Man came in. But Amazing Fantasy, there were just random things that would pop in, and it, whatever stuck, Marvel would be like, oh hey, let's uh, let's do make something. Let's do this. that one. Let's do that one. Okay, cool. Let's do that one. <laughs> you know, like Spider Man, because like Spider Man was just another character, and then Spider Man became insanely insanely because the other thing that interests me too is i was read i'm been starting to read the or listen to the audiobook of the reign of marvel studios yeah mcu book and they talk about these early the early days of marvel but also the early days of the early 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 to mid 2000s comic book movies the daredevils Mm -hmm. which it i would say it is worth noting on that and in context of that book is that kevin feige is a producer on on this hulk movie Yes, it mm-hmm. is. It is worth noting. Um, but it's also I'm gonna get as we get into more of this movie. It's also I'm also gonna get into some of the things yeah. I picked up from the books thus far. Um, we're get, we're getting into it, folks. But Hulk, right? Like Hulk's one of the, like the to me like a big Marvel character. Even if his movies haven't yeah. been the biggest successes ever, they're... he feels like a he feels like such a staple. Too. Yes. like you see like those group photos too of like the marvel characters hulk is i mean gr- he's large and he's green so it's not hard to mis- like to make out make him out but you feel like he has to be there or else it doesn't make sense like it was like to me it was it felt like spider-man and then hulk as far as like the major ca- like when i was a kid anyway those felt like the two major characters because they looked they were like so iconic spider-man hulk and like wolverine maybe yeah. thrown in there mm-hmm. yeah those are like those are like the big ones storm i would throw in there as well I like storm I like. I'm just gonna throw him the thing because the things just want. I love Ben Grimm. Um, <laughs> the whole Fantastic Four, just go for it. Like the, they're, they're great. They're great. But uh, Hulk. Now, what's interesting about this movie is that it's made by Ang Lee, and you don't always get comic book movies made by. Like you have come. Like there's some great directors who worked on comic book movies, but oh yeah, somebody like Ang Lee, like somebody who is like such a highly regarded director, such you know. And not just in like the fandom scene or anything like that, but this guy is made like, as, my, as my mom like would respect put it, respect in the community. He, he's made, as my mom would say, he's made real movies. <laughs> 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 Which is not to that's more of a way of me as saying like he's made things that are not as another yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. Another person I know would say, shout out to Rob, cape shit. Uh, <laughs> I'm really coming he's, off badly in this one, but that's okay. He, he's kind of a he's kind of like a Christopher Nolan before Christopher Nolan in a way. In a way, like in that sure. in that regard, yeah. Mm-hmm. Though obviously, Chris Nolan in many respects made his name through making the Batman movies. Yes, every movie he's made since then, you could say is quote unquote real movies. Um, yes, yeah. Not again. Not to 
insinuate Listen, anything. Listen, we, we talked about so many like comic book movies that we really love on this show yeah. too. So we're not we're not the kind, but it's just I think no. the general perception, you know, is what we do have air about. quotes, and when we say some of these things, you just can't see it. No, exactly. Um, yeah, but this movie, I, I had not seen it in twenty years. Neither have I. Like first time watching it was in theaters. I fell asleep, and that was it. I hadn't seen it again. I saw it twice in theaters for some reason, and I remember as a kid being very confused. Like, what is happening? Why is he naked, Mom? <laughs> like, why is this old man yelling at him? Why are there dogs? <laughs> why? Then I just imagine you saying that, and Nick Nolte comes out of the screen. Listen, kid. <laughs> I am going to yell at who I want. <laughs> and then you just go, okay. <laughs> Uh, because Thank like because again because I because X Men came out that year X Two came out that year and I you know because for me in that movie like obviously has some like heavy shit if you're like nine or ten years old watching it and yeah. but at least to me that made sense like there was enough like sort of it felt more like a traditional action movie than Hulk does you know what's kind of an interesting comparison to think about. Mm. With with those two specifically, like like the first X Men, or like just that, like kind of like the X Men, the Brian Singer, <laughs> yeah, yeah. his films. Mm. Um, I think about those movies and how, like, from like a surface level point, they were trying so hard to not make it look like the comics. Yeah. Like they make even that joke, like, "What do you prefer, yellow spandex?" And then, like years later, we're all like, "Yes." Um. <laughs> so he's wearing yellow in Deadpool three. Thank God. Um, but uh. You look at the like the 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 more thematic aspects, like the plot of it all. It's all very kind of basic, like kind of simple. Not to like downplay it or anything, but that's just kind of what it is. Um, the second movie has got a little bit more complex complexity to it, if I remember correctly. But then, like I think about the Hulk, and I feel like from that from the get go, you realize like this has a lot more emotional maturity, a lot more mature like tones and they're actually like addressing like an actual theme but yet the hulk himself looks like he was ripped right out of the comics he's bright green he's got purple shorts and i mean like it's kind of wild to think like we hated this at one point really <laughs> well that's the thing because i remember like, some people it's wild. like like this is like one of the worst Shrek. movies one of the worst movies like people say that batman and robin too or like some of these, mm -hmm. some of these other movies are like, oh, this is terrible. This sucks. This is not what I wanted. You know, all that. And I've been very curious about it because the last couple of years, I've seen a lot of people sort of reappraise this movie or go back to it and go, wait a minute, this is actually like one of the more interesting like Marvel-based movies. I think it helps too because we've had a literally a we're bombarded by superhero material like. You know, I'm not even just saying material content. Let's be honest. Let's call it what it is. You know, <laughs> I was like, you thought you were coming off unlikable. <laughs> it's like content. Martin Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola. You go, whoa! <laughs> That's right. I made Apocalypse Now. It was rough. Anyway, <laughs> but you were saying, um... <laughs> I I just concerned Joey there for a second. <laughs> But no, really but like, <laughs> but 
like we're, we're getting this sort of like barrage not just like from marvel from all fronts you know like everybody's trying to you know warner brothers is doing something whatever it is but they're trying something i guess um and uh marvel you know especially through disney plus and you know movies and all types of things they're just releasing all types of stuff and at this point it's just like either too much or just not impactful enough anymore like with a few examples here and there like a few things that you're like you know this is actually pretty good or this is actually pretty good but then 90 percent of the time it's mostly like there's another one and so it kind of makes you i know it's happened to me especially like it makes me kind of go i want to re-watch something like this that i watched when i was younger like something sort of similar happened with the the ben affleck daredevil but um specifically with like the the r-rated cut of the movie where it was yeah. like actually kind of interesting mm-hmm. um is i i don't know if i would call it like a good movie necessarily but i would definitely be like this is better than i remembered it um but like it just made me want to like check out stuff that that came out before like everything was connected to each other and you know i feel like i feel like one thing and you i think you would agree with this as well like one thing i think we both strive for is like things are worth watching more than once yeah and especially over time because like you never know we've watched stuff on this show that we grew up with that uh you know we've either felt like like watching the pest again like really you grew up with that yes i did joey yes i did and i'm not proud of it Uh, (laughs) but like no it's worth going back and watching some of this stuff just to just to see because you never know you know times change feelings change we change and so people going back to watch the hulk in in a lot of ways makes a lot of sense yeah you know because they're like especially because we're not getting a new hulk because they can't you know legally to a certain because like they they're able to use the character because we can get him in the Avengers movies or the She-Hulk show or, you know, any sort of offshoot. But we haven't really had a Hulk movie, so, like, we can go back to the other one. And yeah. people are probably... I don't know how people are feeling about the Ed Norton one, but there's this whole other one that no one's really watched. And Ang Lee is someone that people like, so it's like, why not check it out? And I, I remember re-watching it and just going, we hated this. <laughs> <laughs> really i mean yeah. it, to an extent you get it but at the same time you're like really why um but you know like because it doesn't like but what's funny about it is like thematically in a lot of areas it doesn't feel like a traditional like comic book like superhero no it doesn't movie. It, yeah. it's like if you rip the context it's 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 a movie about daddy issues um <laughs> like really anger you know control you know and dealing with your anger we're, we're talking like man of steel daddy issues <laughs> because we have we have sam elliott and nick nolte essentially fathers of like our two characters which is eric banna as bruce banner and then uh betty ross uh played by jennifer Connolly, the great jennifer Connolly. yes like great needs to be put in front of her name mm-hmm and a returning to the show. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. But, like, major, you know, like, you know, sins of the father kind of kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But 
it also happens, but like, despite all that, it has the giant green CGI monster, which looks great. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And the way it's, <laughs> the way it's edited, uh, it looks like a comic book. And Ang Lee is known for his like inventiveness. So he's, he's very much like a sort of progressive technological kind of guy in the same regards as like a George Lucas or a Peter Jackson where like he did that Gemini man movie with Will Smith and it was all shot. And what was it? It was shot in like a specific aspect ratio. So it kind of lost like that depth of field or something. I don't, I I know it was high frame rate, but I didn't know the other, the other part that that was, was, was it, it might've just been the higher frame rate thing. I don't know, but I know he tried something different. Well, cause I know with like that and Billy Lynn's long halftime walk, there was like a hundred, 120 frames, like especially Billy Lynn, 120 frames 3D. Wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is, you know, we I always make the joke, Richard, sometimes like you just don't get it. You and I will never <laughs> understand that because replicating that is impossible to do at home. It's literally just a theatrical thing. It's just a, and very limited, very limited theaters too. But anyway, um, but no, yeah, there's a lot of no, technological... No, technological stuff yeah. yeah and one of the one of those techniques was the way he edited it which is to look like panels in a comic book yeah it's so like there's a lot of split screen shots you know scenes where like eric banna's doing something on a computer and then we split to uh jennifer Connolly doing something on a different computer or like setting something up for their experiments or scenes where like the hulk is you know about to do something or the 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 memed iconic shot of uh sh- Josh Lucas name? Was it Josh, Josh Lu- Lucas thank you Josh yeah. Lucas exploding in freeze frame <laughs> 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 which listen that death I salute you angly for that one um <laughs> that's just fun yeah so that, that is a lot of fun. uh but uh, there's a lot of experimental stuff going on. At times, uh, I think it, at least for me, it feels like a little too montagey. Like it feels like it's trying, like not. It's not even that it's like montagey. It's that it feels like there's too much montaginess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like because the whole op- it's crazy because like the whole opening scene is a montage, like the opening credits. Yeah, and then it continues after the credits are done, and you're because you're you know I guess you're just so used to that kind of thing sort of ending after a while right it was your mom she was closing the door she's she stole my trash bag did you do a <laughs> trash bag full no it's empty i just put it there oh no oh. it's still there it's just she just put it on the outside of the door <laughs> um but I, I, I can see i could see what you mean but there were definitely moments where i, I thought it was very effective like it was see, no i agree you, yeah you know i i, I think we yeah. generally agree with that where it's like there are like the you know, do you see the two characters in different panels? But it, it, I think it's pretty cool and it works really well as far as getting reactions and um, and it's interesting. It's just it's interesting, interesting. because like yeah. people talk like sometimes when people talk about um like like things feeling comic booky, they don't usually talk about the editing. You know, the editing and especially you know, especially movies and comics are different you know art forms but like to see a movie like there's not many there's not too many movies that replicate it like like this one does no it's kind of in the ballpark of like when we did sin city or like a dick tracy sort of thing where it's like yeah try literally trying to replicate the page 
but in a unique sort of way. Yeah. Right. Um, but like, but it's also funny too, cause I talk about like all these heavy mature themes, but like, these are things that come up in Marvel comics. Cause like, in addition to these things being science fiction-y, the Marvel characters are very human, you know, they're, that's like, that's like their shtick in a way. That's, like, like the, that was yeah. always the big, um, differentiation between like the two big companies is that the heroes of DC are godlike. They're like the Greek mythology sort of situation. That's not to say they're not relatable and they don't have stories that you can attach yourself to because they very much can. Um, but they're always more like you look up to them. It's like the big brother. It's like, Oh, um, and as a kid, Marvel I have, sorry. Yeah. As, yeah, a, yeah, as no, a kid, I actually, as a kid, I felt like that too, because my uncle grew up with like DC, like the super friends, mm -hmm. The Super Friends were the big deal. The Avengers were like a B team in compa in comparison, and like Batman and Superman, like he you know he watched Superman the movie and M Michael Keaton's Batman, like they felt like these like holy figures. Whereas yeah. like characters like Spider Man or Wolverine or Bruce or, you know, Bruce Banner or the Hulk or the even the Fantastic Four, I'm like these are human beings. Like these like are even as these are ground level like regular folk that just happen to now have this responsibility that these godlike characters had. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, yeah. Cause I also, I, I, was, I was thinking about like, I think I forget, I think it was, it was in the first one or the second fan Tim story, fantastic four movie where like human torch puts the whipped cream in the thing's hand and he has the <laughs> yes. thing slap himself. And he's like, Johnny! <laughs> Michael again, like I will that say movie, that's, a, that's another, yeah. That's another series I, I want to revisit. I want to revisit that one, Be but also that's such a well cast movie. Like you can say, we yeah, can, there's a lot is. of things that it are is. not perfect, but one of the most well cast of that. I mean, so good. And um, you know what, Tim Story. On that note, I want to give a shout out to Tim Story. He's doing. He's going strong. Yeah, like he's still like he just had that blackening movie that came out that, oh, that yeah. I haven't seen, but I really want to see it. Yeah. Um. He he's doing something else. I remember seeing. I think for for Disney. I'm not sure. Well, good for um, him that he's getting he's getting work. Yeah. You know, dude's dude's getting work, man. Like you know, say what you will about those Fantastic Four movies. He's he's getting jobs. He's making he's doing a good job. So he he made he made uh the more recent Shaft movie, and my mom loved that. So you made my mom Listen. happy, Tim Story. Yeah, <laughs> Listen, Mr. Story. story. If, if you're listening to this, thank you for making that movie for Tina. We just you know. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for making my mom happy. Even so, though I know that was not your goal at all when you were making Shaft tw 2019 or whatever make, year it was. To, to make some uh, random white ladies day, but you did. You did. That's just a byproduct. But anyway, but we were talking about like the, the Marvel heroes are very relatable and the DC yeah. characters are like almost like gods. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like there was a point uh, in, in the sort of history of comics where... You know, we had like you know, similar to films, you know, they had the code situation where they couldn't really talk about a whole lot. So they couldn't really deal with some like actual topics, like actual things that people deal with. And then one day Marvel just was really like, fuck it. You know, like they had to sort of like find some loopholes. Like they told certain more mature stories in black and white and they did have colors. So they were able to get away with a lot more stuff. It's like how, like if you ever watch an animated movie sort of geared more towards adults and yet it seems so excessively violent and yet it's only rated R like, or PG 13. And you're like, how are they getting away with that? Well, it's cartoon. 
so it's it's like not real um right. whereas like if you're watching a movie that's as violent it would be either r and c17 or worse um so like they were able to sort of get away with that and then you know then they started just kind of ignoring the code altogether and just publishing stories with their major with their major characters about major stuff like there's the, the famous spider-man story where i think it was Harry or one of his other friends was uh, addicted to drugs. I think it was Harry, and of course Iron Man. One of the only Iron stories Man, that was, that was available, uh, like Demon in the Bottle, was the only. They talked about this in the MCU book that it was one of like for screenwriters trying to write about Iron Man. That was one of the only collected editions of Iron Man comics that was available. And yeah. they were like, "How the fuck do you write a story about this guy?" <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's like 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 today like there's there's pro- there's a lot of collect different collected editions of of different things and you know way mm-hmm. the internet is it's so much easier but like back then they're like trying to buy a comic book to catch up on this character and like what the f- what what the hell they want me to write what a, a, a story like they want they they want to make toys about this guy seriously <laughs> yeah they do <laughs> um, but like and this, I can, but, and honestly yeah. no I'm sorry. No, I'm gonna no. let you talk. I talk. I've talked a lot. No, 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 no. Please, no. I forgot what I was gonna say. I was gonna say I, I, I do want to commend Marvel on that for like being the one to break the mold on that one. Yeah. So I feel like you know, obviously, I'm sure there was other f- uh, factors at play, but that is one that at least I know about. That Marvel is one of those first people that were like, you know, we gotta, we we should be able to tell the stories we want to tell. Yeah. Right. And so I mean, someone's got to break that mold, and so I'm glad that they did it. Yeah. Because then um, we wouldn't be able to get other stories that are so great. True, 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 true. Though sometimes they get a bit excessive, like the 80s yeah. and 90s of comics. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was rough. That was rough. But, um, but I mean, like, I want to talk a little bit more about the actual movie. Because yeah, 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 all yeah, those yeah. content, you know, um, it's really good. I mean, Jennifer Connelly, for, like, cause for Betty, because like, there's so many, like, love interests in comic book movies that are just, like... I'm another, here. Here's another lady. Here's a lady. <laughs> I'm here. Hi, guys. But she is so good in this movie because she's like a secondary protagonist, really, because... Her, her arc is matters just as much as Bruce's in a way. Because they both have daddy issues of some kind. You know, her dad, you know, obviously General, General Ross, Sam Elliott... Um, you know, and like she, she, like I remember that there's the dinner scene with them or the lunch scene or whatever, and she goes, you know what? I wish I could believe you. There's a lot of significant like trust issues with going on with them. Bruce mm-hmm. ha- has all this repressed trauma, obviously, because all the hor- horrific things that happened that happened in his childhood. There's very specific incidents that happen. So we, we when we meet him, he's introduced as Bruce Kren- uh, Krenzler, right? Or yeah, Krenzler, something, something like that. Um, I almost said Rensler, and, but then I'm like, no, that's Tron Legacy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and Nick Nolte, Nick Nolte plays his dad, um, David Banner, which there he does have like the Hulk does have an abusive father in the comics, but his name is Brian Banner, and okay. David, I think David Banner is is the name the, sh- the TV show the TV show name because I guess yeah, they thought cause... Bruce wasn't a good enough name, and I'm like, don't don't be don't be dissing on Batman like that. Come on. I mean, I guess, I guess for all the shit that Batman gets dissed on, his name being Bruce, I guess is probably the least problematic. Can you imagine just like, can you imagine Alfred just like making fun of like child Bruce just for his name? That like, would just be so. Fun. His master Bruce. 
<laughs> Would you, your dad named you something better, like Thomas Jr. Thomas. <laughs> Young Sir. <laughs> um, I just, I'm sorry, I can't call you Bruce. It's terrible. <laughs> and all, but also, too, I think one of the other things that piss people off about this movie is that, like, um, Nick Nolte's character of David Banner is an amalgamation of different villain, the different like Hulk and you know Marvel characters. So it's like people were like, "Why couldn't you have done like this character? Why? Why did it have to be like that?" And people will get hung up on that because apparently there was yeah. also a draft. Because again, there were apparently other, you know, like other drafts of this where he was gonna Hulk was gonna fight bugs. It's like. You know, because people thought, like, the studio execs thought, like, well, why do we need villains from the comics when we could just have, the, we have the hero. That That's that's what's going to sell, that's what's really going to sell it. Like, well, listen, um, no. <laughs> and, um, you know, so, so that, that, that frustrates people, so there, there's that. Yeah. But I think this movie... Dealing with the, it does deals with the anger in a way that I don't think we'll ever get with another like interpretation of of that Hulk character. Like, like I think about the scene, yeah, where you know because like Bruce and 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 Betty seem to have a decent relationship. Then he get he he gets really angry at one point as Bruce. You're just like, yeah. oh shoot, <laughs> like oh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> no, they they actually really dive into it like it doesn't like i think you i think you got it exactly right like there's there's so many things about this when you're when you're watching it it just it just feels like a breath of fresh air yes i mean there is probably a lack of subtext but at the same time it's like a lot of the beautiful metaphor and a lot of like imagery and just like all the flashbacks to like the moment when his dad like Basically, like, just to give you kind of, like, a the gist of what happened. So, like, um, as, because uh, Bruce Banner's dad was also a scientist and was trying to find, like, some sort of regenerative, like, way for humans to, like, you know, be healthier and, like, regenerate if, like, anything happens, you know. And uh, he had already sort of tested his formulas on himself, even though uh, Sam Elliott, uh, as a young, but by shout out to that actor who plays young Sam Elliott. Wow, yes, so <laughs> like good. that was that was insane how good he was, um, and how good he looked too. Um, but uh, he already injected himself with something, and then he and his wife have a child. So now that DNA that he injected himself with is now organically just like going back to the Planet of the Apes, just like Caesar, who got the uh, Alzheimer's medicine uh, for him, and you know he had the bright eyes and everything. Um. So he, uh, the dad notices this and he like tries to kill the kid. So he tries like to kill his own son and then it ends up like killing his wife. And it's like, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole mess. And so, um, obviously at one point Bruce is adopted by another family and then just sort of like represses all those memories. And then years later with the return of Nick Nolte and the activation of those dormant, cells through the gamma tests that he was doing which are very similar to what his dad was doing he then turns into this big green monster that goes and um it's like it is like really well done honestly just like the way they deal with a lot of that stuff and it doesn't feel like 
they're trying to like you know do one it just it, it they're just being earnest about it yeah like he's dealing with shit like it's not like you know you know he's like not to knock the incredible hulk or anything but in that movie he gets angry and then he's just like i need new shorts mm. whereas like whereas like in this it's actually him going what's wrong with me <laughs> yeah and yeah. It's genuinely well done, and then when the Hulk shit happens, it's fucking exciting. Okay, like let, let that's what I really wanted to get into because, you know, I like to say this phrase a lot, and Richard knows this. It delivers the goods. He see this is a catchphrase. It delivers the goods. <laughs> Listen, like you were making this comparison, like the the end, se- like towards the end, kind of closer to the end anyway, when he's like escaping, like he's fighting in the military base and he's in like sort of that rock formation area. Mm. It kind of made you think of like the like Iron Man when he attacks like the Ten Rings camp. Yeah. You're like, but better. And I'm like, holy shit. It is. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what else I liked it about totally it too? Is. Like, because. Obviously, the CGI it's like twenty years. This twenty years old, twenty year old CGI. It should also be noted mm-hmm. too. Mocap done a lot by Ang Lee himself. He was the Hulk in this movie. Clap, which clap for him. Is pretty awesome. Honestly, it's kind of it's kind of a pretty cool. Uh, that's that's how you get down in the dirt. Honestly, <laughs> like you're making your movie. Like, no, I'm really gonna get into this now. But I love because, like, okay, one of my favorite video games as a kid was Hulk Ultimate Destruction. So it's, good. The name of the game says it all. You can collapse entire buildings. It, it was looks, so fun. It's so fun. Hulk is not a realistic character at all. Like the rest of the movie thematically is real, right? Emotionally, yeah. it's real. But the Hulk running super fast, it looks so unrealistic, but it's perfect because he's the fucking Hulk. <laughs> what do you want? What do you think he is? Do you think he's Do you think he's Usain Bolt or some shit? No, he's the Hulk. Of course, it's not gonna look real. Okay. Oh my god! But that's the thing, though. Like, again, t- what two thousand? What year did this come out? Okay, two thousand three. Two thousand three. But like, it looks. It still looks like there, there's definitely times you're like, okay, this is CGI. This is CGI. But like. The way it's lit, like, I loved so much when he's, like, on the, the streets of San Francisco and he's, like, covered in dirt. Oh, yeah. And it looks it looks real. It, I'm like, this looks like it, there's a big green guy in San Francisco. Like, this does, like this looks so good. But also, I, I, I love the fact that, you know, for the scenes when he's escaping at the end of the movie, he's, like, they're using the landscape. They're using the whole wide area so he can leap like he does like those massive strides and then when he's like racing like getting shot at and there's all that texture like you know i also brought up uh you know the flash um (laughs) and like the whole end scene where uh they're all fighting each other or whatever and it's just this flat desert surface and i'm like i understand there's a lot of that but there's so much texture around that's just gone in that movie whereas in this like because especially because they shot it on location in many yeah. in many respects like everything you're seeing is is textured and it's real and it's believable and because they you know shout out to ILM and everyone you know who worked in the VFX on this one um they made it look good and they were yes. ballsy they shot it bright day with this bright green monster character and they still made it look good like like this 2003 <laughs> 
Oh, and you know, oh, back back to the unrealisticness of it. Like there are scenes where Hulk just makes himself bigger, and it looks like I'm watching the fucking mask because his eye is bulging out. <laughs> like part of his shoulder grows, and I'm like, this. I love this shit. I love this. We. This is cool. <laughs> also, Hulk dogs are awesome. I know there was like a big stink about them. I don't. I don't agree on the big stink. The Hulk dogs were awesome. <laughs> like Dude, you get a I poodle, love... get a bulldog. Yes. It's fantastic. I love the scene where he's fighting the Hulk dogs to protect Betty. It's an, mm-hmm. almost like, the, like Beauty and the Beast, so where like, he's fighting the wolves. Uh, you know, where Betty interacts with like you believe the character. You know, and I think yeah. that's always. And I think we're gonna get to that in the second film. Like you, like the CGI might have aged a little bit and all that, but it's like you believe the character, you believe this thing, you yeah. believe this thing, you know, as far as like the story goes. Um, but it, it, it's so great, it, it's it's so much fun in that respect. Um, I I also really like the way like Betty's like arc kind of ends with her dad, you know, in mm-hmm. in this movie, and like the dad. Her dad it doesn't seem like t- like the worst person ever at the end. You know, he's like <laughs> not the best. Yeah. just like, you know, he probably couldn't have he probably couldn't have made it, but you know, there people people see things and he met, he you know kind of casually brings it, you know. You know, what, spe- speaking of interactions with dads, I do want to talk about that one scene where um and uh, massive props to both Eric Bana and Nick Nolte. Because there's oh that scene God. where they're locked together, and they literally have it out in the in in the middle of like this like locked area where they're both like trapped before yeah. before they have this like massive brawl that's almost like otherworldly in a way. <laughs> like otherworldly, it's like, like it's like the Hulk. Hulk isn't even moving. You see like frames of the Hulk, you know, like in this flashes. Fight. But but yeah. what's crazier is in that exchange, it feels like a scene that shouldn't even be in like a Marvel no. thing. It's like the way it's led to. I'm like, am I watching the National Theater of London that like Nick Nolte like, <laughs> sort of just crashed? It's just a stage play with like a couple elaborate set pieces and then a big black backdrop and then two spotlights on them. This yes. is the fucking theater. This is Shakespeare. Like. Even the way it's shot, like it's not like there's there's close ups every now and then, but it's literally like like almost shot like a sitcom in a way. And I don't mean that negatively. I mean like, you know, they sort of stick to one side and then they just kinda let the actors just let out at each other. Yeah. Which they needed to do. <laughs> you know, from like a character standpoint, I mean. And then they let loose and then, you know, uh the Hulk becomes the Hulk and then uh, Nick Nolte becomes the absorbing man or whatever he was and it becomes uh, this whole like insane almost like mythical epic battle between uh, the Hulk and his and his ever-changing dad to go yeah. from a lightning bolt to a like a whirlpool which on one hand like yeah you can probably make you think of stuff like when the Fantastic Four fought a cloud that was supposed to be Galactus, or like uh, Parallax in the Green Lantern was looked like poop, like not like not just being like mean, like it literally looked like shit was coming out of the sky. Right. Um, but no, like it, it's it has a level of emotional because uh, it was built that way. Even 
there's like an emotionality to it that you're just like it kind of sticks with you yeah and like the crescendos and you know the like literally you know it sort of has like a crow ending where he's like take it all yeah and you're like shit (laughs) it's 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 intense um so uh, we've been it's over and it's over dramatic with no shame i know with with no shame um yeah like listen listen yeah but it's also again i'm going back to the the reign of marvel studios book like kevin feige you know he didn't mention any titles specifically but he sort of has some feelings about those early some of those early 2000s superhero movies and i almost feel like this has to be one of them and while it makes sense at the same time i'm glad something like this exists because it is so like wears its emotions on its sleeve but it, it is so wonderfully stylized, wonderfully acted thematically. It's extremely rich. Um, mm-hmm. And as I say, it delivers the goods. I'm just, it's, it's nice to, to be reminded that at one point in our lives, I mean, to a certain extent now, like there was someone that understood like comic books are larger than life. So why not actually like dramatically, visually thematically let's let's go big because also too if superheroes are a modern myth okay there are some pretty dramatic and messed up stories in mythological storytelling so why yeah. not present like the weirds you know those those aspects of humanity in these stories sorry i didn't mean yeah. to interrupt no no i was i was just gonna say like i i i you want it to be big and what is the hulk he's big so give give him give him his give him his due diligence. So hopefully at some point down the line we'll get another Hulk movie. I don't know. You know, we'll see what happens, but or at the very least like I feel like the closest we've come to something like this in like in the in the sense that, you know, some someone that like decided to get as artistic with themselves as possible and then people just hated it was probably the Eternals. Hmm. Like I like it was funny. Like I watched this movie, and then um, someone had posted like a thing that was like the three year anniversary of Eternals on on Twitter, and I was like, you know, I feel like Eternals is in in many respects is like kind of a modern Hulk in a way because mm. I feel like while there's definitely I'm sure a few like notes here and there that Marvel put forward, it does feel more like Chloe Zhao's movie than like a Marvel movie. Yeah, this is very and true. Maybe and and she she got to go big. So and there's some great spectacle in that as much as there is in this so oh, yeah um, that fight that fight scene at the end of Eternals was really I think really kind of underrated it honestly is yeah like listen guy, folks go go back and watch some of that stuff because you never know you might you might you might realize that the shit was probably better than you thought it was but but also on that note too, like because sometimes with a lot of these movies, these are big event movies. So you have all this antip- anticipation, all this expectation, and it rarely ever like actually lives up, you know. Yeah. So it's like some like like the Phantom Menace. I think the Phantom Menace, you know, was probably the most anticipated movie of all time when you when you think about because people were like, oh my god, we had we new Star Wars, and then people watch it and they're like, this is not what I huh? wanted. But now people can look look on it now. With very different, with a very different perspective, a very different, you know, fresh set of eyes. Um, 
So I think it's always worth re. I think it's always worth reappraising and questioning. You know, reappraising. Just keeping your mind open. Just keep yeah. an open mind when it comes to this stuff, because at the end of the day, you know, if you close, if you close to, if you close yourself off and just stick to the guns of like, oh well, this is terrible, and I watched it last when I was a kid, or this was terrible here, this is terrible there, um, as opposed to like actually sitting down and watching it again, then you know what? You know, ha- don't do that. <laughs> like, op- open yourself up a little bit more. Not that you guys aren't, but just saying. Um, so yeah, we're, we're big fans of Ang Lee's 2003 Hulk movie. It's solidarity. It, it's really cool. <laughs> it's, cool. it's actually, a, it's genuinely a really good, I don't know. We might surprise some people with this conversation, but it is genuinely like a really good movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, highly recommended. It's, I think it's on Netflix as of this record, as of this recording, uh, might be streaming somewhere else, but definitely worth checking out. But anyway, we're going to take... And, and pick up that disc. Pick up the disc, too. Get it, yeah, sure. Get it the disc, yeah. It's yeah, got a great absolutely. 4K. And gotta, uh, I'm sure the Blu-ray is really good, too. I got to get I gotta get the 4K. Um, anyway, we're going to take a brief uh, brief intermission. And when we come back, we're going to talk about another uh, Ang Lee film. But it's a, spect- it's a spectacle of a different kind. Stay tuned. <laughs> Subtitles, we're back. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> now, Richard, I don't mind if you if you speak in a language that I disagree with, but you, I wish you would pick something like that that use every language blindly. Don't tell me what to do, Dad. <laughs> I mean, Joey. <laughs> Am I your Sam Elliott? Nick Nolte, really, let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Joey DeAngelis. I wrote the book. (laughs) Get Richard off the fucking grid. You have hands? (laughs) (laughs) I'm Sergeant Joe Denny Dan. <laughs> Only one of them talked about me in a podcast. <laughs> this is a I'm story not... of the making of that podcast. Richard and Joe came up with 42 ideas of a podcast. Of those 42, <laughs> half of them weren't even mentioned. Of those of that half, 10 of them were considered. Of those 10, 5 of them were even more considered. And then... <laughs> <laughs> one of them... Got pitched as an episode. <laughs> and we're not talking. We already talked about Tropic Thunder, so um, it's <laughs> it's it's Nick Nolte. <laughs> it's just fun. Just Nick, just Nick Nolte um, as Welcome his back iconic to the character. Show, <laughs> Forley Tape. <laughs> Forley. <laughs> I'm Sergeant Forley Tayback. I wrote the book. <laughs> as he says, well, yes, as you do. Well, you're a great American. We salute you. Now shut the fuck up! 
up and let me do my job. <laughs> hit that hit that director in the face really fucking hard. <sighs> Go listen to that Tropic Thunder episode. That was fun. <laughs> it's probably just this, but extended to like two hours. He pr- pretty much, or Matt Damon. <laughs> I forgot that's what we paired it with. <laughs> Matt Damon. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're two minutes in. Anyway, uh, welcome back to the show, everybody. Oh, man. Whew. You good? You well, okay? yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm all right. You're okay? Uh, that got me. That was a good one. That was a good yep. laugh. Yeah, so... <laughs> Jolly good laugh, yeah? <laughs> it's Levensies somewhere. Jolly good laugh. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> Once you unlock a box, it you just it's hard to shut it it's 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 really uh ta- tangent city my friends <laughs> but yes uh welcome back uh, in our first half we talked about ang lee's uh underrated comic book adaptation the hulk or just hulk really there's no the uh, just hulk that's all you need just hulk no incredible no nothing no adjectives no definitive no pro- article no definitive article just hulk that's all you need yep. Um, now we're moving on to something as spectacle, if not more spectacle than Hulk, but also as moving, if not more moving than Hulk. And this is a movie I know for a fact, Joey is a huge fan of and has wanted to get on the show for a hot second. So obviously he does all the intros anyway, but if there's anyone who should do the intro for this, it does have to be Joey because he'll do it proper unless he just goes, uh, movie title. Uh, <laughs> but no, um, I think I think he'll do a good job on this one. Uh, Joe Denny Dan, not to put the pressure on, but Joe Denny Dan, Sergeant Joe Denny Tayback. Uh, <laughs> I did not write the book for this movie. <laughs> what is our second feature today? You know, it all started in a swimming, a public swimming pool in France. Uh, it was just really nice, you know. Uh, life. This is the. Sorry. <laughs> this, is, this is gonna take a second. So that, did I put too this much is, pressure on you? You, I, I put too much pressure on myself. Um, you're fine. This I feel is, responsible. It's okay. It's all right. We'll get we'll get through this. We will get through this, despite the fact that we are almost five and a half minutes in. We are talking about <laughs> Ang Lee's adaptation of Jan Martel's best-selling novel, Life of Pi. Uh, da, 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 da. I don't know. I feel like some sort of crescendoing music. Meow. <laughs> 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 so okay a few things with this movie um this came out in 2012 okay this was based on uh as i said the book by yan martel it was a popular book um and did you read the book trying... 
I did. I read it after, though. I watched okay. the movie first, and then I read the book. Like, okay. in 2012, 2013, I was obsessed with this movie. Like, if you would ask me, like, my favorite, like, recent movie, this would probably be, like, the top. The top of the heap. Uh, so, you know. did it take until, like, Pacific Rim to, like, have anything, like, take over your mind a little bit? I know that was 2013, but... Well, I was really, believe it or not, I was excited for Man of Steel until I wasn't. That's uh, right. I, was, I keep forgetting you know. about that. But, you know, I, that I is true. The, I do know uh, that. So it's sort of like, it's okay. I liked it. And then I'm like, mm. it, and I've accepted that. I'm not, I'm not, I respect that it has massive fans. Shout out to Rob. Um, again. You, 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 I think you did a better job in coming to that realization. Whereas I think I tried hard. I was like, I really want to like it. I really want to like it. But we're not talking about Man of Steel. No, we're not talking about Man of Steel. We've, uh, if you wanted to listen to our thought, like we talk about the DC, listen to our episode we do on the Justice League and Eternals. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, um, but um, this movie was like I was like really obsessed with it. Even though the first time I saw the trailer, I was like, "Really, we're making, we're doing this?" Because it just seemed, okay. it just seemed like it was an odd thing at the, I guess at the time, I don't know. Um, but I was like, at that time, I was like, I feel like I was trying to watch all of, like the movies that were probably going to be up for Best Picture. I was mm-hmm. going to the movie. I was going to the movies a lot, um, you know. And also, I think one thing I also have to note about this: this was 2012, and I saw this Thanksgiving weekend. This was I saw this the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. This was movie oh, opening okay. day, and a few weeks earlier, uh, Superstorm Sandy wrecked New Jersey. Oh, I remember this. Mm-hmm. This this is uh, probably, I, I would have to say as a New Jerseyan, the, probably the most definitive thing to happen in New Jersey in quite a while. It was obviously mm-hmm. massive impact. Things were destroyed. There's so, there's picture, all, all this stuff happened. Boardwalks were ripped. People's homes I, were destroyed. I was actually in New York City like the week before it happened. So I think Comic-Con had just happened. And I went I remember to, you saying that. Yeah, I was at 2012 New York Comic-Con and uh you know, just enjoying the convention and just walking around and just doing normal convention stuff and then literally the next day I hear that convention center. Uh Jaffets, yeah. I remember that. Jaffets, yeah. Oh my gosh. Um but yeah, that was, you know, it was huge because we had, we've had storms and stuff and there's been stuff that, but like that, like Superstorm, like San, at least for us, it was Superstorm Sandy. It's for other people, it's Hurricane Sandy, but yeah. it, was, it had a huge, it had a huge impact. Um, so I remember also too, like being without power for nearly two weeks, which I've has never like, it, it was, it was kind of wild because, you know, you just go home and things were dark. I would go to sleep in my coat because it was so cold. Um, you know, I, I don't mean to, but like, I'm just remembering all this and like, there was one area, um, where it had power, you know, basically. And that area also included movie or in our, in their area, in our neighborhood, in our neck of the woods, I should say. Mm. Um, and that's where we would charge our phones. We get food. We just get, have like an outing. Basically we went to the movies a lot that week too. So life of pie wasn't among these movies, but we saw our, I saw Argo again. I saw Flight and I saw Cloud Atlas, which I we still talked ha- about I, that. We talked well, not about the that movie, and, but we talked about that story. Yeah, and it's a movie I do want to revisit, but at the same time, I almost want to preserve that 
the almost perfect memory of it that I have where it's like mm-hmm. a movie that really helped me out during that time. And that was also my first semester in college, by the way, as well. So, I didn't so have you're to, just you're just dealing with so many different things. There's so many you so know. many things, you know. And obviously like like things so like I saw this movie Thanksgiving and obviously one of the big scenes is a big storm, like storm like shipwreck sequence. So I was definitely thinking about yeah. that. And seeing it in this is a three D movie definitely had a huge impact on me. Um but also also thinking about it too, you know, I also grew up in a Catholic household, you know, um and this movie a, deals a, a lot with faith. Yeah, so I know yeah. it's, I'm gonna be a little scattered in this first part. So no, no, you're fine. You're fine. Um, Keep going. So obviously, again, because I lost my dad, and at a young age, didn't really get a chance to say goodbye to him, which that plays sort of plays into yeah. this movie. I, and I f- further realized that in my more recent viewings of this movie. So whenever I get to that bit, it definitely hits me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and this was so, and and I was like, I was still like. Maybe like in the middle of, of, of things. Like I consider myself. You're. You say you're full blown atheist. I. I guess I consider myself agnostic. You know, because yeah. I do like to believe that there's something out there. But obviously, I, I like to believe there's there's medicine yeah. and stuff. There's all this, all these, I, you know, things that. Yeah. I was. I think for me, because like on one hand, I never. I was like I've talked about this before. Like I was. I was never like anything that was pressed onto me or anything that was like pushed towards me. Like my parents, you know, they, they identified as Lutheran, but they never like, we never went to church. We never practiced anything. We didn't do anything. Most of my experience with religion came from my neighbors who were very religious um, Christians. And then my, uh, when I, when I was younger, I went to Latchkey. It was at a church. It was at the Lutheran church, actually, oddly enough. Um, uh, it was like a daycare thing, but mm-hmm. periodically they would have like little little things here and there where the kids from the daycare can go watch like a morning uh, uh, thing, like whatever whatever it's called. Uh, like the pastor tells stories, Mat- uh, yes, like a like a mass like or something, a... something like okay. it, yeah. And uh, then like they would have like specific things for the kids where they would have like little puppet shows or like different activities to learn about the stories from the Bible and stuff. So like I learned about those stories and I'd read a bit of the Bible here and there, but I never like, it was always questions, but then, you know, I also live in a, like a more conservative, more like, you know, this is the way, you know, not to be, you know, Mandalorian, but like, you know, this is the way yeah. sort of thing. But right. I was just always really confused by it. And then, but I, I, I always just consider it like air, you know, like religion was like, it just existed. God was real. Heaven, hell, all that was real. Jesus died for our sins. And it wasn't really till I got older when I realized that the concept of atheist, which I knew of and knew of from a more pejorative sense, um, when I learned that there were people that I admired that were atheists. And I was like, it was, it was kind of mind blowing. Like what? This is like, it's like a concept I can actually, you know, consider as a good thing. And right. it made me want to look more into like science and more, you know, into you know different discussions about the creation of the world. And there's some beautiful things that you like to, to learn that we're star matter, for example, is like one of the most amazing things I think I've ever learned. And like I right. like like I feel like I have some sort of religious ecstasy from learning something like that because it is so it seems so far fetched and so fantastical, but there's facts to back that up. And so I think. I just really became enamored with with the science of it, but 
I never like admittedly there are definitely times I can be a little bit too pessimistic towards religion and towards religious mm-hmm. people because there's just unfortunately a lot of negative connotation that comes with that and like the people I've met in my life not all of them but like a good chunk of them just it's like you, you think you think your religion is trying to make you a better person but it's just not mm. really but again that that isn't to say that you know I've wanted to and I, I, this is the reason why I feel like I'm having to explain this in a way but like um, I don't feel like I've wanted to shut off the idea of spirituality for our right. other people and the way they live their lives because spirituality sure. is incredibly helpful for some people and has sure. gotten people through some truly horrific things. And And at the end of the day, if it's something that's making you want to be a better person and you're not actively harming other people or forcing your religion onto somebody else, then I think that is the ultimate thing. Like, that's beautiful. That's fantastic. Yeah. And... So, like, I, I, I do want to, I, I do, I guess, want to kind of put that out there a little bit more that, you know, while I, I am pretty, like, intense with the, with the atheism at times, like, I don't want to make it seem like I disrespect spirituality right. or if, certain if, religions or if, anything like that. And you've never if, done that, just so you know. If I misrepresented, um, no, I just no, want to make never. sure that it, all right. Um, no. No, but thank but, you for, but, for clar- clarifying yeah. that. Um um, you know, I guess like, cause I also was watching a thing with Ian Martel, who's the author of the book and talks about religion in just a more, more broad sense, you know? Yeah. Like I think, you know, cause there's the idea of just God name, not necessarily like upper G, uppercase G or any specific, just God, just, just the idea of what a God, just, the, yeah. just God, or just like, listen, like, you know, obviously follow like science and all these other things. But if you want to believe that the operating principle of the universe is that somebody out there loves you. That's not a, that's not a bad way to live your life, honestly. Not, not really. So like, and like, I, I guess that's, I guess that's how I kind of look at it on some level. Like, I don't, I don't have any fucking clue what's going to happen to me once I, I kick the bucket, but you know, I like to think that there's something, something more out there on some level and it could be incomprehensible. Mm. You know, it, it's, it might not be the pearly gates or like reincarnation or all this. There's all sorts of, you know, all sorts of, you know, stories. Because we do have like, in just from a, from a history of religion sort of standpoint, there's so many different, different religions out there from different cultures and, you know, different things. Like the, the idea of God didn't even come till much later, like a singular right. God, whereas Single most, yeah. whereas most religions had, you know, whole pantheons you know like greeks you know had all theirs and then romans egyptians um uh uh hindus have we we discuss some of the gods from that uh in this film um and so i also i, I kind of respected pi a little bit when he was like exploring those different religions yeah he literally because he he found what did he say he found uh religion or he found god through uh, Hinduism, mm-hmm. and then he found, or no, he found religion through Hinduism. And then he found God through Christ. I think he said, "It's something like that." But well, I think he's a like, God has, like, no, you know, he he met like he first met God through. Yeah, Hinduism. That's what I mean. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I don't yeah, remember so, the specific, but like you know, there's different like his like, thing. It's like yeah, he he met he met God through Hinduism, and then he met him again through Christ, and then Allah later on. And so he like tried different things. And then there was that like conversation with his dad 
where it was like like his dad felt so cold and like Mm -hmm. which is always like the sort of typical representation of like someone who believes more like scientific related things and yeah you know i get it Uh, (laughs) but like he he came off so cold but then i liked that the kids i liked pie's response like i want to be baptized (laughs) (laughs) you know what but i was also thinking about this too like as a kid um i don't know if you had much experience with this because uh, have you ever been to a, b- a bar or bat mitzvah? Mm-mm. No, I've, I've I, as I've I my my one mom's friend, uh, when she was married, it was it was a Jewish wedding, so that's probably the most as far as that religion I've experienced. I think I only bring that up because, like, as a kid, that was like the only other like religion that like Judaism is the only other religion that I had any sort of like interaction with. Mm-hmm. You know. And I think it'd be, it'd be, I, you know, cause people have talked about like kids with like experimenting with like their identity, whether it be gender and all, you know, sexuality, all this stuff. And mm-hmm. I think religion is one that doesn't get talked about a lot in that, in that respect. And I think, you know, it's that one gets, of those things. I feel I like would, that gets like shut off almost immediately with like some parents are like, you know, oh, either you're Christian or you're Catholic, or, like God, 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 like, or you, you whatever, whatever they're, yeah, you have to be this, yeah. which is kind of what happens to Pi a little bit. Because like you can tell like his dad was sort of like steering him one way, but then of course with that with that line, he's like, "I want to be baptized." Yeah. Um. But yeah. So you know, I, th- I think I thought that was interesting. You know, interesting like spiritual journey for that character. But basically, mm-hmm. the basic gist of this movie, you know, like it, it it's it's basically it's a story uh, that Pi is telling. The older Pi, who's telling the story, is played by Irfan Khan, late great Irfan Khan, also returning uh, to our show. Returning to our show, yes. He's telling the story to Rafe Spall, who's like a writer. And it's a story that would make him believe in God, basically. is is basically what, what the story is. Yeah. And so first he tells the story about his life. Okay. You know, it's all it's a lot life of pie. <laughs> it's the life of pie. Right. And I appreciated that because it's not just like a because the story ends up being almost like a like a castaway, castaway kind of thing. But I like yeah. the first like 48 50 minutes of this movie. I get to know Pi. I get to know, I get to know him as a person even if it's like a highly stylized thing like was he named after the swimming pool like you know you question you might question some of the stuff but it's like mm-hmm. okay it's you don't care cuz you're like okay I mean I'm here for the story. We like the story. We like where it's going and the important thing to know about Pi is he has to move to Canada. Things are going on in India. And things aren't looking too good for the family, so they have to. You have to go to go to Canada, sell, bring all their animals on this boat because they have a storm. Hap- they have a zoo. Yes. Yeah. A storm. Ha- storm happens, and Pi is the only one of his family to survive, and he's on a boat with a bunch of animals, and that gets whittled down to him and a tiger named Richard Parker. And hey. Him- but I'm not. I'm not Richard Parker, but I am Richard P. So yes. There's a relationship. Yes, folks, I, I didn't tell you guys, but Richard's actually a tiger. It's actually kind of <sighs> scary recording or like hanging out with him anytime because you know <laughs> the moment the moment I actually started talking, Joey literally peed. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to like. Yeah, I didn't mean to out your your peeing or anything, but you know. Listen, listen, it, it, it happened that and when Nick Nolte yelled at me. Um, <laughs> imaginary Nick Nolte. Take him off the fuck. <laughs> our, our fictional McDulty. Um <laughs> but 
that's the basic gist because everybody when everybody hears about the story it's a boy on a boat and a tiger and I don't know if I m- mentioned that the young the pie that's in the majority of this is played by Sharar Sharma um he plays pie on the boat and it's like I teenage say, pie or like young teen, adult he's pie six, 16 year old pie and I gotta say I gotta say like this is I think this was his first movie he's so good he's so damn good in this movie mm-hmm he carries it too. I mean, it's. I mean, obviously, he's in like the majority of the movie, but yeah. he he holds his own, especially like because it's literally just him in probably like a mostly CG background and then uh, usually fake tiger, and yet he's right. still able to like make you believe in everything you're seeing, along yes. with like the, the 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 you know great work that was being put on by everyone else post post production or you know with camera at work or anything or the 3d aspect of it which is a ma- yeah. was obviously was a major thing when it when this movie came out but he he really brings an emotionality to it that's really effective and it makes you feel for every single moment when he's on that boat yeah, yeah. it but like this movie like the one thing that's note about like the big thing that's notable is that i'm gonna i guess get into this until we get there's other stuff to get into but like mm-hmm. um the the just two things that are controversial i don't want to spend too much time before you know missing these out one of them is the special effects um which are incredible but rhythm and hughes did a lot of effects for this movie notably the stuff with richard parker which is obviously a major highlight like and the movie won an oscar for it but yeah because of this the way visual effects houses work they had to file for bankruptcy, and you could find out more information about this in the documentary Life After Pi. And there's also another great visual effects um, video that I would recommend too from the Royal, I think the o- Royal Ocean Film Society. They did a great one. They also referenced the documentary, but um, and it's also kind of talks about the state of because again, recently Marvel stuff has had fallen to a lot of mm-hmm. you know subcontract all this all this stuff that's going on with that, but also to. A lot of the animals are CGI, but there are, you know, shots where they use real animals and there were um, accusations and maybe some evidence of animal mistreatment on the set, despite them having the disclaimer at the end, no animals were harmed or mistreated during this making this movie. Um, and I'm not going to say I'm the foremost expert on that. I just wanted to make that known. So make that, that known, yeah. You can make your own, you know, call about that. Um, some of this stuff, some of the stuff didn't even come out till years after the movie came out. So, because yeah, that that documentary didn't come out till like a couple years ago, right? The like, Life After Pi, yeah, and that and yeah. just to keep just to keep in mind too. Life After Pi doesn't deal with like the animal mistreatment stuff, but this no, yeah. it deals more with. But also interestingly, when they won the Oscar for Life of Pi, the guy, one of the artists on there was like mentioned about to mention Rhythm and Hughes, and then his mic gets cut off. Oh, this is real. You can watch. You can That's watch it, the acceptance speech and the video. You know, again, oh. it's, it's also in. It's in the video um, from Royal Ocean uh, Film Society, and I think the documentary. But just those are like the big controversies around around this movie. So I didn't want to get too far into this. Um, this I this is meandering conversation. I, I, I it's, love it's where it was. So it was a hundred. It was it was a hundred. Like. That's the, that's always like the sad thing too is like when a movie you love like you like yeah the, it was like um it was sort of a reverse thing for me like not to go off on this completely but like I remember when I when uh all that stuff because like there was all that stuff that was kind of known about Baron Munchausen the Terry Gilliam film and, like oh, how rough that yeah. production was and then right. um you know that one actor why am I forgetting her name um 
I forget mm. her, but I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah. Um, no, um, we'll we we'll insert it. Name. Yeah, because yeah. I do want to. I want to make sure her name is out there. But she she was the actor that plays the young kid in the movie, and she talked about having such an awful experience. And then like I watched it because Criterion had literally around that time all that was coming out, like put the movie out on in their collection, and I was like, well, I kind of want to watch it. And I'm like, this movie's actually incredible. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, same with Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz, tons of awful shit happened in the making of that movie. <laughs> yeah. And yet, it's like one of the most beloved movies ever. Like, fucking, you know, the Wicked Witch of the West caught on fire. <laughs> I mean, the I first mean, guy, the first guy to play the Tin Man, uh, he, yeah, Eddie Yeah, got poisoned. It's like, like the, well, nearly died. <laughs> <laughs> like... Like uh, uh, alum- that's not aluminum to, dust that's, or whatever. Yeah, aluminum dust. Like that's again. That's not to say you know that's we're not trying to like you know, but point is like awful shit unfortunately happens on these movies and they're, they we have to talk about them. Yeah. You know? No. Absolutely. Like, like we we de- like, actually even if no yeah, please please. Uh, uh, going back to Criterion, Romeo and Juliet, the um oh Fra- I forgot Franco about Zeffer- that. the Franco Zeffirelli <laughs> movie. I'm not gonna. But like the actors who were in that that sued, uh, the company made Romeo and Juliet because they were they were underage and they're nude in the movie. Spoiler alert: you're, It's probably likely if you're a certain age you saw that version of Romeo and Juliet. Hi, I'm one of those people. Um, so, <sighs> and like it's it's just kind of, and it, they they were underage and you know. Mm-hmm. Th- and they were suing for I think it was I, I forget if it was like half a billion dollars. It was a some, big. It was a big number. It was big, which makes sense yeah. because how many high schools had you know VHS or DVD copies of that movie? And it was yeah. also right around the time Criterion announced their new Blu-ray edition of that movie. <sighs> Criterion. But these things happen. Unfortunately, I just wanted to mention that it, before it, it needs it needs to be talked about because if we if we didn't address it, then that would be irresponsible. That'd be irresponsible. Exactly, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, but going back to the vi- visual component of this movie, I think one thing, I, the the big thematic thing I love about this movie is also kind of like how I approach like the 10 commandments. It's a movie about stories and how, mm-hmm. especially in religion, like how stories affect us. Like think about Noah's Ark, you know, the crucifixion of Christ, the tent, like the, the story of Moses, you know, mm-hmm. all these stories, like, and especially when you're like a kid, they're usually told in very, very colorful fashion by a really great storyteller who's, you know, engaging. Um, and this movie is all those, because Irfan Khan tells the story, and obviously, like, when he's narrating, it's so compelling. Even if the stuff that you don't see, you're just, you're so invested in what he has to say. And then mm-hmm. when you do see it, it's gorgeous. And obviously, like, this is a very digital, digital, you know, movie. This was one of the, again, like, I feel like the 20, sort of 2010s era, think about, like, Avatar in 2009, you have Hugo... Um, Gravity came out around this time as well, 2013, that these like big 3D movies were coming out. And I think Life of Pi is one of them. I want to throw How to Train Your Dragon into that mix because that was also yes. beautifully. Please do. That was a beautiful yes. 3D movie. Um, Absolutely. So yes, I want to throw that out there as well. Animation no, just you. worked really well. That's probably why so many of them were like, let's make this Let's make this 3D. But in right. some respects, like a yes. lot of, there's definitely times it worked. But anyway. Yeah, so, like, Life of Pi, like, the way I was thinking about the 3D, it's like a pop-out book. You know, like, when you're a kid, like, pop-out books are so cool. That's a good way to put it, actually. 
like that, that's kind of the way yeah. I, I looked at this because I have I have this movie on 3D Blu-ray and I do pop it in from time to time and it's beautiful even in, in 2D it's still amazing but like like seeing it in 3D and I saw it on a big screen in 3D three times I I, yeah, I, loved, I believe it I I loved this movie so I still love this movie uh God damn it like it's <laughs> it, it, it it's so jaw-droppingly beautiful like the opening I want to cry during the opening credits. There's the beautiful music and there's the singing and you get the goddamn animals, you know, <laughs> like it, it's so great. <laughs> um, but like, but it's not just, but, but the story's not just the boy on in the boat with the tiger. There's all sorts of like, you know, visual things that happen, like the flying fish sequence where the aspect ratio changes and the fish are flying all over, even the black bars and in 3d, that's spectacular. You have the giant like whale, that comes up and is like you know bio bioluminescence. You have the, you have the you have the carnivorous island, you know all all this. Thanks. I'm just I'm just I'm just I'm adding gonna, to it. Yeah. I'm gonna have so much fun listening to your your. Um, <laughs> I hope I uh, added to the 3D effect. But like it, it's it's just like and even in the moments where it's not in like um you know on the boat. Or like the shipwrecks wreck scene, forget about it too. Like that is seeing that on anything, but like 3D on a big screen. And also, again, like I said, I saw this after Superstorm Sandy. So seeing like that was such a holy shit um, kind of experience. Um, I was probably hit really close to home too. I imagine it did in a, in a way, did. at least at that time. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And then. Um, like I always think about the opening scene where they're like they have a uh, mama, the guy who tells Pi's dad to name Pi after the swimming pool and he the, you, the, the scenes where he's swimming in the pool and I'm like that looks really nice god damn it it's like this movie's so pretty <laughs> um, but I talked a lot I want to give you some you know opportunity to talk about this I apologize at <laughs> did, I mean did, did you were, was there anything you were curious about specifically or did you want to like uh, for, for you, you like an inge- yeah, because I've because this is my oh, first yeah. time seeing the movie. So okay, I'm going to talk about the one thing I wanted to say before. So when I show Richard a movie, mm-hmm. I am usually oh, scared is, shitless. Is this, is this what I think it is? I'm usually scared shitless. <laughs> and there's only been two movies on the. There's been at least two movies, very specifically these two movies, where I felt I know Richard's going to enjoy this movie at the very least. And they're both Ang Lee movies. Crouching Tiger and Life of Pi. I felt really confident with those. Because mm-hmm. um, other ones I've shown you are old movies. You know, there's Charlton Heston going, ah! Gross. Who wants that? <laughs> or, or just like, or they're black and white, or they're really long, or Clint Eastwood is just there, you know? What's like, that? I mean, the Clint Eastwood that? thing. Not, the black and white there's stuff's like, cool, but... 60 minute jungle movies <laughs> looking at you most dangerous game um <laughs> jungle movie and i'm not calling i'm not calling you i'm calling more myself out because i'm just like <laughs> oh god but like this movie i'm like i had a i'm like i know richard's because you love like visually like dazzling things uh, um, uh it's it's like if you can add emotional weight to jingle keys, then you've got me. That's pretty good. Yeah. There's like a sense <laughs> like nostalgia that's... for jingle keys. 
that, that's just the best way I think I can describe it. Just like think about your mom. Jingle keys. <laughs> oh man. But no, okay. I, I'm assuming what what you're talking about is like so you, you were you were pretty confident with this one. Credits roll. <laughs> but that's also but that's also this is also when I knew not when I knew because there were other moments where like you're reacting to the movie. And I don't mm. want to get into because I want to want you to speak for that for yourself. But by the end of the mm. movie, you're like, "Oh, so that one, that stunk." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "I knew it." <laughs> like what? what a piece of shit! <laughs> oh yes. Uh, I was I was so happy that you reacted to that though. I was like, uh, I, the, the part of me was like, "I'm just gonna say it. And it's gonna be fine. He'll be fine." But then there was like a very small sliver that was gonna be like, "What?" <laughs> No, that's when I knew I'm like, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's, it's like when the tough guy like gets emotional and they try to be like, no, I'm not. I'm not crying. crying. You're crying. Shut up. Oh, I'm going to hit you. <laughs> I'm a tough guy. I'm not going to Weedy Hunt Juniors. Shut up. I'm buff. <laughs> I'm big and I'm manly. <laughs> I made a Russian. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Are you challenging me? Um, but I'll let <laughs> from you. Tropic Thunder to Scooby Doo. <laughs> yes. Um. No, like, I was definitely like curious about it for sure because you know, I remember like seeing stuff. I never saw it in theaters, so I don't know how the theatrical like 3d experience is i genuinely don't (laughs) whereas with a previous movie we talked about i did dread (laughs) also came out in 2012 um shot in 3d very fun movie um with this one uh i remember i remember it was coming out and then i remember like hearing about because at the time like I think I was still kind of on that, you know, oh, he did the Hulk, blah, like, stupid, arrogant, arrogant mindset that I had. Um, so I just never bothered to watch it. And as time had gone on, you know, I remember you, I remember you were obviously talking about it a little bit more, and then we watched Crouching Tiger, and then it became more prominent in the conversation, especially in regards to the show. And so I was like, you know, at some point, you know, I'll, I'll be curious to watch it. And you actually gave me the digital code, which I totally forgot about. Because <laughs> right before like, we watched it, we were like, how how, how is he going to watch this? Like, and that, no, was no, the other thing, that, that was the one thing I thought was going to trip me up. Like, no, he's got to rent it. No. <laughs> but no, 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 no. You inadvertently saved your own life by giving me the digital code for the 4K that you got. <laughs> so it all worked out. It all worked out, and I got to watch it on my on my new TV, which made it that much fun, that much more fun. Um, but when it, because like when it starts, like you know, obviously, you know, I'm noticing like you know, it's it's obviously shot digitally. It's kind of one of those early examples. Like you look at a lot of early 3D movies, and it has more of that digital look than like more modern digital cameras because of just the technology and. Obviously, they were kind of focusing more on this specific technology. So I do imagine it probably does look like a million times better in the 3D. Not that it looked bad at all, because it didn't, but there was definitely just little things I was noticing. And then obviously, I was very curious about like the use of animals, which obviously 
you know, learning, learning, because I, I knew more about the VFX struggles more so than like the animal allegations, the animal abuse allegations. Um, but, uh, either way I was, I was genuinely curious, especially because I knew how much, cause like, even before you said like your reasonings or like explained why it resonated with you as much as it does, like just the way you spoke about it or of it, you could tell like it, it, it hit like a nerve. Mm. So there was definitely a curiosity because I feel like, you know, it, it's like one of those movies that, you know, similar to like the experiences I've seen you have when you've talked about movies that like were in your dad's box, like in the like the VHS box. Um, and so that alone made me just kind of like more curious than I think I ever was. So I was like, it really like hit him. You know, and so I, it definitely made me curious. And then, obviously, watching more Ang Lee stuff, I'm like, I gotta watch it now. So I've now officially watched four Ang Lee movies. <laughs> I'm on my way. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't want to compare the movies that I've seen because I don't think that's. I think they're all sort of separate experiences. Like this one, it definitely feels like it's it's in the the realm of what I know Ang Lee mostly for, which is kind of that, like, um, not futurist, but, like, you know, like, he likes to use modern technology and different techniques just to see how that, because, like, we talked about Gemini Man and stuff um, earlier in this episode, I believe. And uh, so it makes a lot of sense that to see him make, like, a 3D, like, a full-on, like, let's go crazy with the 3D spectacle sort of thing. And so I'm watching this movie, and there's so many, like, wow moments you know like the the whale comes out of the ocean with the like sort of glowing plankton or like algae thing that you know is a scientifically accurate thing which is like it's kind of cool to see in videos where people are walking in the ocean that just glows as it moves but it's like a defense mechanism or something it's crazy when you learn about that stuff and just see the whale come out which i almost feel like that scene feels like in a weird way like a sort of um prime example of of like beauty being danger in a way that I've seen in this movie yes. a lot. Cause like, cause like on one hand that's beautiful when the whale comes out of the ocean, but then you realize, fuck, it's got to come down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it literally crashes into Pi and Richard Parker, the ti- the Bengal tiger. And you know, all the food gets thrown off. And so now they have no supplies or when they go onto the the island that's like a carnivorous island that's like a giant Venus flytrap, like it's a beautiful island, but it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, like it feels like there's a lot of like you know almost like poisonous tree frogs all over this movie. You know what I mean, like metaphorically speaking. But and but I almost want to bring up too like one of the scenes early on, the goat scene with mm-hmm. Richard Parker and the dad. It's a great scene, and I also was like the actor who plays the dad does a great job, and also the mom. He does. The mom is great. Yeah, the he whole family's is, good. Whole family's good, but like that scene perfectly illustrates because it's a great because you know because if you had this type of story, there would be like oh we got to anthropomorphize anthropomorphize the, char- the character Richard Parker the lo- the tiger. You know, there was so many times I thought he was gonna talk, but I'm I'm glad he didn't. <laughs> it's funny there is something I have to bring up in relation to that, but. Um, but I do want, I do want to hold, hold that thought because mm-hmm. I, I have something tiger. to say with that. Yes. Talking tiger. Great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like that goat scene where it's just like, yeah, no, this is an animal. 
Like, because there are so many times yeah. where we anthropomorphize, like, or people send memes, hi, Allison, where it's just like, <laughs> if not friend, why friend-shaped? You know, and, and, and people, we, like, right. we like to project, we like to, we like to project ourselves in on these, on these animals, and it's like, giving them animals. full names, giving them full names, but Richard this, was Parker, a, a, like, which started out as an accident, but it's like, hey, Richard Parker, <laughs> his name was actually Thirsty, which is also ironic, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in the long, in the grand scheme of it all, like, wow, oh, another thing I want to bring up. The name Richard Parker is significant to this story mm-hmm. because Richard Parker has the name Richard Parker has come up more than once in instances of cannibalism. I do remember because that name sounded so familiar, and I think I think I I don't remember the specifics, but I know there's something in relation to that. Yeah, it's it, it's come up, and that's because this story. You know, at first it just seems like it's an animal story, right? Like the story, it's like, like, oh, hey, he, this boy survives this treacherous journey with the tiger and and the boy lives. But there's the big twist that happens in this movie. And that's why I was saying to you, hey, you know, it's funny. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan almost directed this. You did. You, you mentioned that. And then um, so to, to, to kind of explain that to a bit more, to go more in depth with it, there's a whole scene uh after Pi has gotten off the boat, he's on. He's in, he's at civil. I think he landed in Mexico. I believe Mex- on the beaches of Mexico. Yeah, on the beaches of Mexico, and um, he's being interviewed by these Japanese. Uh, uh, I don't know if they're like people from like the J- J- Japan, like shipyards. It's an insurance. It's an insurance. Insurance company, guys, basically, because yes. they want to they want to find out how why the ship sank. Yeah, yeah. So like the whole reason Pi ended up on a boat with a Bengal tiger to begin with. Um, and so he tells him the, the story and it sounds so fantastical, like an island that's carnivorous. You were with a tiger. And so they they found the story very far fetched and a lot of it was not to be believed. And so then he goes, all right, I'll tell you a different story. And so the story he told was essentially what we saw, like with the zebra landing on the boat and the orangutan landing on the boat. And there was a there was a hidden hyena that ended up killing the uh, both the hyena and the orangutan, and then the hyena was killed by uh, uh, Richard Parker, the tiger. And so the story's reframed essentially, where um, the orangutan was Pi's mother, um, the zebra was this Buddhist uh, that loved gravy and rice because um, gravy is taste or flavor is is is, yeah is 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 taste you know and taste you know yeah yeah and then the hyena is this chef now we do meet these characters um uh before the ship wrecks and uh the chef is an asshole as we meet um the the buddhist is genuinely seems like a genuinely nice person and joins pie and his family for dinner when we first meet them and uh so the story is essentially that uh, the hyena kills the Buddhist and then the mom and then Pi is the tiger in this metaphorical scenario and Pi kills the chef. Yes, right. And and so they wrote that down as that's the story they're going to go with. And then um, after Pi was talking to adult Pi, uh, Ifran Khan's Pi, 
was talking to Rafe Spall's character, who's like an author writing a book or essentially or getting material. He's like he's almost like a Herman Melville, call me Ishmael situation. Um, he's like, uh, you know, which story do you like better? And he's like, the more fantastical one, obviously. And then he actually starts reading the reports, and then on the last page, it says that he was actually with a Bengal tiger. And you're like, huh. <laughs> hmm. And... And I think this goes to show, like how like story like stories, especially religious stories too, they explain things, but also explain things in a way that is easier to swallow. You know, it's that's true. It's a, yeah. it's, a it's a it's a way to it's it is a coping mechanism. And in this case, I don't think it's you know because sometimes it could be that could also be irresponsible. But the way it the story be, yeah. is framed, but the way the story is framed is either way, the boat's at the bottom of the ocean. And we, we will never know why that happened fully. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and like, cause, cause that is the, I love the way he phrases it. He's like, they didn't like that story much better either. Like, <laughs> it's kind of, um, it, it's kind of funny too. Cause like I was just watching Pet Cemetery for the first time. And that movie talks a lot about death, specifically how they explain death to a child and yes, like sort of getting into that. Um, and what's crazy is like the whole movie, just to spoil Pet Cemetery, um, is, uh, they, they, this family moves to this house and the house is right next to this super terrible road where these trucks are like going 50 miles an hour. And so pets tend to die a lot. And so they bury them at the Pet Cemetery. And, um, this little girl has a cat named Winston Churchill. It's a weird name for a cat, but you know, whatever. So the cat dies. And instead of explaining to the daughter that the cat's dead, the neighbor takes the father to this place behind the pet cemetery where if you bury something, it could come back to life, but it's not the same. And so all this shit happens because uh, the neighbor told uh, <laughs> told the dad about this place and all these people start, starts dying and he's like, I could bring them back. I'll just bury them here. <laughs> and it's like, you know, maybe you could have just explained <laughs> that the kid's cat died instead of doing all this shit but whatever <laughs> you do you dude <laughs> so but it's very different obviously in context but it made me think yes, of that a little right, bit <laughs> right right <laughs> um yeah. but it also made me think of um uh uh movies like big fish or movies like um the why am i forgetting the title of the movie it's like the the, the three thousand years of longing mm, yeah. where these are the movies are about stories and like uh you know with big fish like it's obviously like this guy feels disconnected from his father because all the stories he's told were these tall stories but at the end of the day the results are still the same like his dad is still his dad and his mom's still his mom they still live in this house with white picket fence you know as they brought up in the stories a lot but he was so fixated on the reality of it that he never bothered to to realize like you know the emotionality of it like the the like the metaphors of it and so like the moment his dad's on his deathbed like the the kid the his son billy crudup is actually like telling this beautiful story about how his father actually died and so it's like 
you know, it's it just like, like this, it tells about like the power of storytelling in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, 3000 years of longing talks about like all the, like this, this mythical creature of the genie going through time and, you know, all these different centuries and having all these radical experiences. Yeah. And so I would definitely, yeah. I, I feel like I would definitely put life of Pi in that sort of class, like the, the, the power of storytelling um, and the, you know the the metaphors that you know and the, the the deep moving themes of it all and you know sometimes it is sometimes it is it is you could you, you get the same results at the end of the day even if the story is a little bit different right yes but i mean like yeah like there's definitely times where like it can be like we were talking about like it could be irresponsible like you know sometimes you just have to be honest and tell the truth but you know at the same time, oh gosh, I might burp. Sorry, <laughs> I thought I was gonna burp. Uh, it's like I'm trying to talk about something important, and then it's like, um, right. But you the, you get the point I'm trying to make. Um, yes, yeah, absolutely. It's the, the the importance of storytelling and what and what it can do. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah, because I I I do like how how it is represented, but also like. You know, logically speaking, it's like, how is Richard Parker on that, was on that boat, and he doesn't show up really until he pops out? Like, did, it, 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 like, he, he, it just, because he's there, that's just the story, he's there, he pops out, he's there. he pops out, yeah. and and that's, that's good enough, and it makes sense, because if it is a story, that makes sense, but it also makes, it connects to, to, to the, the real life story, because that's when Pi's like, that's it. You're done. You're yeah. done, chef guy. You know, and at the same time, it's also like if you read a book, you know, like a fictional, fantastical book, like a Lord of the Rings or like any of these kind of things. There's all these hidden metaphors for other things that you could read into, and that's that's what we do on this fucking show. You know, yes, we we too. watch we we watch all these movies and these heightened reality situations, and yet especially with movies like even like the fucking Hulk we just talked about. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. There's, there's a, there's an under underlying like emotionality and, and, and theme and, and, you know, situation that a lot of these stories are telling that, you know, maybe it makes it, e- it does make it easier to address these sort of things, but that at least they're getting to address these things. Yes. And yes. Um, so like this movie kind of just like puts that, in a two-hour, two-so-hour, like, exciting package. package. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, it's it's one of those movies where it's, like, it's perfectly fine at two hours. I could have seen them try to drag it out, like, one way or the end. There was a point I kept wondering, like, how long is this? But then I just, like, he's on the boat, and I'm like, Because <gasps> you're just <gasps> worried about it. Like, you were, you were concerned about Richard Parker. And, like, there was the scene of Richard Parker, like, <laughs> over on the side of the boat. You were so worried. <laughs> like, like maybe, I don't know, maybe that reads more into me than I think, but, like, I, there was definitely times, like, obviously I understand Pi being terrified of being on a boat with a tiger. But I'm like, he's in the water. Help him up. Help him up. <laughs> but, of course, like, it makes sense that Pi would be like, no, I'm going to, like, make sure he stays off the boat. But then it's like, no, he got to, he got to, he, he, he's like, no, come on up. Yeah. Like especially just seeing him hang off the side like that, that that killed me. I'm like, yes, I eat meat. 
And yet, I have these issues. What's wrong with me? I am a hypocrite. Speaking of the meat thing, because obviously, like, pie, pie is vegetarian oh, in the movie. Oh, yeah. And then there's the scene where, you know, he he beats the life out of, out of this fish, and you see the color zap, <laughs> drain out. And, oh, my gosh. It was, again, Shwar Sharma, like, is so damn good in this movie interacting with basic mm-hmm. he's not a- interacting with act like a lot of act really actors no at no this, you know like i'm sure ang i'm ang lee's a great this also like shows you how great a director ang lee is as well i mean mm-hmm. and he deserve he definitely de- like i don't want to get oscar but he deserved that best director oscar like the technical accomplishments but also for the emotional and storytelling things and again like um irfan khan I am, I'm always on the verge of tears, but watching it, admittedly, I was like, am I going to like just fall apart uh, watching this again? Is that what mm-hmm. what kind of Sunday night I'm going to have, Joey? Okay, I, all right. I, I, I'm kind of bummed that most of my experiences with him bef- was like, because like, I'm sure I've seen stuff with him before, but like mostly I've seen him in like Jurassic World and like Amazing Spider-Man where he plays like businessman. Yes. You know what right. I mean? So like I, I, I this this movie showed me I definitely need to watch more of his work. Because he is, other, he is incredible yeah. in this. There's stuff I think he's done in India that I definitely would want to check out. Yeah, but, um, same. Yeah, may he rest in peace for one. Like, but he I is, forgot. About, I forgot he'd passed away too. So now knowing that, I was like really bummed out. I'm like, no, <laughs> this, this is so like because I remember he passed away. But now I'm like, shit. Yeah, it's like, like that. That oh. uh, having that realization hurt too because I'm like, he's he's so good in this, and I'm like. Now he's gone. Ugh, yeah. Mm. Um, but again, like, like looking at the the one line that he says, because like at the end of the movie, he talks about how like he's on the on the beach in Mexico, and P- Richard Parker doesn't uh, goes on the beach, but doesn't look back at Pi. He stops, but he doesn't look back at Pi, and he leaves. And uh, I'm gonna read the quote because I'm just you know, do it. It's just easier that way. Do it. I suppose in the end, the whole of life becomes an act of letting go. But what always hurts the most is not taking a moment to say goodbye. And uh, that line definitely has hit me the last couple times watching this. Because there are, you know, I think about my grandfather passed away five years ago. I did not get a, get get that opportunity. Um, mm. Neither my dad or number, you know. And that happens with a lot of people. Sometimes people, you know, with illness, they, they might have time or like, you know, okay, this is what it's going to be. Or sometimes, like with my dad... It was, it was very sudden, you know, it just happened, you know, he had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, that's it. Um, you like, know, and as a kid, I didn't, yeah. I would say like the, the truth of it too, is just that you really never know when the last time is going to be. No. Like that, that's something that I, I was talking about that today about something going on here at home, not like with anyone, but like just stuff going on. Um, and yep. it really is like that realization that like, yeah, you know, you never know when is, when the end is for anyone. And it, it really is like, if you don't take that moment to like appreciate, like you, you really want to appreciate the time you have, but also the time you have with the people in your life. Yeah. So, you know, like doing this, like I, I try to revel in that as much as possible at the same time. You know what I mean? Because yep. again, you don't, you don't, you don't know. Because like tomorrow, I could hear like awful news about me or you, and then like this is the last episode, and it would be so ironic because I'm talking about this right now. <laughs> but yeah, 
like, <laughs> like you, you you really it's it's worth saving that time for people that you care about and for yourself to really like experience and to really right. you know put yourself in the moment because if you don't then you're going to miss out or you're going to regret missing out because it's going to be taken away from you right or but sometimes the la- or, but but sometimes no. you don't get that choice e- either and it just That's true yeah so it, like and you it just, just it just happened. You don't you don't you don't like because we don't know and you like anything could happen. Yeah. And so like like you don't want to focus so much on the control of it. You want to focus on the experience of it and just making this moment as great as you can. Yeah. You know, and um, so yeah. you try to appreciate every at least as as much as you can, like any every moment, especially sure. when you're with with people. So Absolutely. Yeah. Um I'm just trying to think of off the top of my head other stuff that's like the mu- I love the music Michael Dano. <sighs> um I also saw with Allison actually I saw the the Broadway the play version of Life of Pi. <gasps> um Sarah Polly. That's the actor who was in Baron Munchausen. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. That's I just okay. I didn't want to. Glad, I didn't want to. You, you said you were because we, we were forgetting the name of the composer, and I'm like, wait a minute, Paul, 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 Sarah, Sarah Polly, Sarah Polly. That's who it was. I'm so sorry. Anyways, right. you were with Allison. There you go. Good, awesome. Uh, yeah. So we saw a bunch of Broadway shows when she was in Jersey. So so we saw Sweeney Todd. We saw Camelot. We saw Hades Town. Damn. Um, and then we saw Life of yeah. Pi. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to wanted to see Life of Pi because I had heard some good buzz about the play because it was in London and the guy who played it, um, Abis Sakara, um, ya- um, I I forgot the man's first name, but like, hold on, I actually have it right here. <laughs> what the fuck am I saying? Um, uh, okay. Hiran Abis Sakara, uh, who who played Pi on in London, he won Ooh. the Olivier, which is sort of like their you know major theater award over there. Uh, and he was fantastic in this movie, but it definitely had the the play was gorgeous, and it had like like have you ever seen like the yeah, images yeah. of like Warhorse, like the play? It's kind of almost like a similar vibe, uh, visually amazing, and what they were able to do with the stage and all the all the te- technical aspects. It definitely had more of it like an uh, almost a cynical edge to it than this movie did, because uh, I was because obviously there's the religion aspect, but there's a scene that they carry over, I believe, from the book where like. Like the the some figureheads from each of the faiths are like right. arguing with each other over stuff, you know, uh, and it feels like it has a more political thing because like in the movie they don't say it outright, but like in the play they kind of say yeah, we're kind of leaving because there's political, there's some some political right. stuff going. On. I'm pretty yeah. I was pretty sure that's the that was going on, uh, but there's also a scene where Richard Parker talks. See, see. <laughs> see you know there was definitely a point watching this movie where i'm like i either thought he was going to talk or i kind of hoped he would talk but he never did but i'm kind of glad he didn't because like he's still he's still well i loved richard parker i connected with richard parker like listen we we both named richard my last name starts with a p i could be territorial and listen you pee on my stuff i pee on you there's a lot of similarities there. I'm just saying. 
So when he's when he's not on the boat, I'm like, no, Richard Parker got on the boat. He's gonna drown. Don't let him drown. He's just an animal. Yeah, he's dangerous, but he doesn't deserve to die for being naturally himself. Come on. It's Richard Parker. He's got a full name. Right. Come on. <laughs> and you gotta pull yep. him on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, I got that emotional connection without him saying a single word outside of, you know? And so it, it's like having him talk in the stage show. Like, I'm sure it works on the sh- on, on, on stage, but it still feels a little weird to just hear it about it. Just like It's, it's also kind of funny, too, because the voice of the title, like, again, I, it's James Earl Jones. Show, but just, <laughs> it's just, you know, just but that would be really funny. <laughs> I, was, I was once a lion, now I'm a tiger. <laughs> Everything the light touches, <laughs> wait, wrong thing. Everything the light um, touches is reflective because we're in the ocean. <laughs> um, it's actually the voice of the tiger is actually done by the um, the guy who plays the cook on this in this. Oh, so it, ma- it makes it makes it kind of an almost it makes the relationship between Pi and. Richard Parker a little more antagonistic, or at least that way that's the way I kind of feel. Yeah, because like. In the metaphor from the movie, the 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 hyena is the cook, and they still run with the metaphor of like everything that I've told you. But like, in there's this very there's one scene that he talks. He doesn't talk throughout. That would be really <laughs> he's like, I, uh, I would like some fish, please. And also, it should be noted too: the whole framing device of this movie is not what is in the movie, where it's like the you know Rafe Spall listening to Irfan Khan tell a story. It's from, like, the Japanese insurance company listening to Pi. That's the framing device of the show. So, but uh, it works in in another sense because if you're doing all these transitions, that would be too many yeah. la- too many layers to, like, have to transition. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, because well, what also works about it, too, is they make the, the bed kind of also becomes the boat as well. Like, the way, like, the stage and, mm-hmm. it, you know bits of it anyway and it's uh, incredible it definitely folks i think it's going on tour at some point so if you ever get a chance to see this or if hell if they ever had like a like a like a if they did a pro shot of this at some point definitely check it out because what man what what a freaking production i was so happy i got to see it on this even if i had like weird like mixed opinions because like, i i remember i read the book and i've i've watched the movie as one of my favorite so you just have this kind of like previous experiences so going into this one you're like you know it it's sort of like people watching the hulk i guess but those people were wrong it's yes (laughs) but but it was still a great it's a great play obviously i don't mean to sense but it's it's and i would definitely like again that's why i want to see a pro shot i would love the opportunity to at least see it again without forking over money (laughs) to to go on a tour you know um but you know, at least at least uh, it is nice that you you li- you don't live like close to like Broadway, but you at least have that access, which is nice. I, I'm easy. Listen, I, I just go up on New Jersey transit. Yeah, there. boom. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. I love it so much. Um, it's like good pizza, and, good musicals. This... Joey's got both of those things. What do I have? Uh, I got my dog. <laughs> It's I'm pretty, pretty okay with that. I like my dog. She's gone though. Anyway, 
<laughs> but both of these movies, I think, are... Because Ang Lee's done a bunch of movies. He's done a lot, yeah. We talk about Brokeback Mountain, Crouching Tiger, Hidden, Hidden Dragon, Sense and Sensibility. I watched The Ice Storm recently. From the, It was in the Criterion Collection. Mm-hmm. Tobey Maguire is in it. And fun fact, Tobey Maguire was cast in this movie. And he was supposed to play the Rafe Spall character. But... He got cut out because people because he was too recognizable. Like it's, it's like oh. Tobey Maguire. You know, but see now like, I rec- but now I find Rafe Spall recognizable because I know him from Edgar Wright films and as the bad guy in the beloved film Jurassic World Two: Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> so this is true. This is true. take on your face. But I guess, I'm just saying. <laughs> but I guess, but I guess all there was like again. I definitely recommend listening to the blank check episode. That talks about this it goes into a lot of detail with the production, because uh, also too they some of them watched like a a work print screening of it where like the effects weren't finished but the edit was like locked in, mm-hmm. basically it was picture locked or whatever or whatever locked yeah no, not yeah most tech- I, I think I think I know what you're talking about yeah, but basically like it was like wow this this thing actually works despite you know being <laughs> not not finished. And then finished to me, it's like it's one of the most beautiful movies I've I've ever seen. And then Hulk is a terrific rediscovery. Uh, I think you 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 would agree with me on oh, that. Yeah. And is is a movie I I you know I look forward to revisiting again pretty soon. I think you know again like in a more modern conversation, Angley is definitely more into that ballpark of like like I like I've mentioned eighteen billion times like. You know, let's try this new technology and see if it sticks. But at the same time, like, there's so many of, of his films that I'm so glad that I finally got around to. Ever since we watched Crouching Tiger, like watching Brokeback Mountain, that one, that one broke me. <laughs> like, like, like it's known as the gay cowboy movie, but it is genuinely like incredibly moving. Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal give incredible performances, and it's also incredibly heartbreaking. With everything that happens, not just like some of the major beats, but like like a lot of stuff that happens in it, um, right? And that one's worth watching, and I'm glad I finally got around to it. Um, and Hulk, like I was like, you know, I gotta, I want to check this out again because I want to, I want to, I want to see if it actually is like, cause especially because I think I've heard other people talk about like how it's genuinely like a pretty like solid movie, maybe not great, but like a solid movie compared to like either a what we're getting now or b like than what we remembered and i i, I really gotta i want to check out more of his stuff it's like i think the last couple of things i remembered him directing was like he did gemini man he did that one woodstock movie i think with mm. um it was, i forget what it was called but i think it had something something woodstock but okay. but um i might ch- i might i want to check out more of his stuff like because i just want to see I should just see what he's doing. <laughs> you know, I just want to see what's up. Yeah, I mean, he just he's just like a really fascinating um really fascinating filmmaker and how many of his movies that I've really really loved that I've I haven't seen a lot, but the ones like I'd say Crouching Tiger and Life of Pi are like two of my favorite movies of all time, mm-hmm. easily. You know, and like they're both just very different <laughs> like different <laughs> kinds of movies, you know. I I I was I was genuinely excited to, to get to that Crouching Tiger episode. And I own the Crouching Tiger on 4K. It's... Same, dude. Where is it? It's in the seas. I see you over there. There you are. Ah! You beautiful little movie, you. 
Let's see right there. Or wait, no, wait. Oh, I had to lean more. Never mind. There you are. <laughs> it's in yeah, be- yeah. it's in between Crimes of the Future and The Crow on Blu-ray. Um, so it's in a it's in good company. That one. Um, and uh, Hulk, I I'm, I gladly own. I'll, I'll definitely at some point get Life of Pi. I feel like I gotta get it now that I've watched. I want to get all. I there was a point I was kind of going. I want to see if I can buy all the movies we have talked about, but we've talked about a lot. <laughs> so I think I own a good no, chunk get, of them anyway. The, so I mean, uh, that makes me happy to hear that you you do want to pick up this movie at some point. Yeah, at some point, you know, you know, Christmas is coming up. Maybe I'll ask Santa for it. <laughs> like. Oh. Wait, what 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 does that mean? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> ho ho ho! It's hidden meaning. No. Um. <laughs> Mister McLean. <laughs> um. On that note, Hans, um, I want to be baptized. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> on that note, um. Folks, we have a lot of exciting stuff coming out this holiday season. Um, and so we have a... Uh, no, no, no. I want to address a big goof that I made. So our next episode is preparing the day after Thanksgiving. And our next episode is very Thanksgiving-based. So it is a Thanksgiving leftovers episode. That's what <laughs> I will call it. it, it which may, It's just so hard because Thanksgiving just comes up. And then, like, it, there's already Christmas stuff. Nobody gives a shit about Thanksgiving. I mean, why would whether you? it's good or bad? That there's <laughs> you get food. Well, li- listen, I, I mean, you get food, but I mean, I just mean it's just like it happens so fast. So yeah, the Thanksgiving episode is more of like okay, this is a post. It's a post Thanksgiving episode. It's so it's it's a it's that. it's an after trip to fan. <laughs> after you've clocked out from the turkey, yeah. You know, if you if you're waking up a little bit and you're like tired of Christmas songs. You can hear us talk about Thanksgiving movies. <laughs> and it won't be it, it, Thanksgiving. Maybe if I, just, if I get if I get to it early, I'll just be like, I'm putting it up now. <laughs> so you might get it early. Hey. I, I, I've done that accidentally from time to time, much to the ire of Richard. <laughs> I mean, once or twice, maybe, but never been a big deal. Yeah. It happens. It's almost kind of fun. It's like, ooh, am I listening to something I'm not supposed to listen to? Is Richard going to be mad? Is Richard and Joe going to be mad? Uh, oh. oh, my God. The way I said that makes me think of this this clip where the, guy, the lady goes, hey, you want to watch Bambi? I thought you were going to do the, the get him thing from Gravity Falls. Get him. Get him. Get him. Get him. Get him. Get him. That was... um. Oh, what was that? Was that that was that was you at the Hulk, Hulk beating up things? Get him! Get him! Get him! Folks, or, folks. Or, or I was gonna say, or, or, were you gonna say? or me pulling, or me wanting Richard Parker to be pulled into the. Get him! Get him! Get him! Get him! Get him. Um, folks. Um, what is your favorite Ang Lee movie? What's your favorite three D movie? What's your favorite? Criminally underappreciated superhero movie, and why is it Ang Lee's Hulk? If if it's it if, if it's not Ang Lee's Hulk, why? <laughs> if it's not Ang Lee's Hulk, we still love you. Uh, I mean, we don't know you personally, you know, but I'm sure you're a good person. I hope you're a good person. We 
we hope you're doing okay. Um, <laughs> and what what animal if you if you were uh, lost at sea, what animal would you want to be on a stuck on a boat with? Penguin. No turtle. Turtle. That's a good one. That'd be good company. That's, 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 that would that would be interesting. You no, know sure. we'll add a level of danger to it. Snapping turtle. Could lose my wiener. Jeez Louise. Could lose my wiener. That listen. That's how that's scary. <laughs> You're in the middle of the sea and you scary. lose your wiener. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you you're just shouting like pie. What? Are you not here, God? My wiener <laughs> What more do you want? <laughs> and it's just the turtle just sitting in the corner. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of Two Dudes Wonderful Feature. Check us out in two weeks. Have a good night, everyone. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys for everything you do. We love you both so much. And of course, stay tuned for a brand new episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature.